0: Hello, cool cats and kittens. Welcome to Haunted Picture Palace.
1: You're going Carol Baskin there.
0: Full Carol. Yeah. We're talking crackers, ladies. <laughs> and uh, jealous housekeepers. I feel like Carol's pretty pretty much around that ilk. <laughs> don't you? <he? laughs>
1: oh, I mean. It's a
0: tenuous link. Let's yeah, go with it. Let's go with it. I'm Amelia. This is Ben. Watch her. Ben is joining us from 1956. As ever. As ever. And I am not of this earth. We're going to talk about horror films.
1: Y- yeah, kind of. Is this a horror film?
0: Yes, but no. So we're going to talk about haunted films. I believe this is a horror. I believe it falls in the genre. I believe it is technically a psychological horror. Mm. Because of the what they do to... Mrs. Yes. DW. (laughs) But I don't think it would fall into traditional horror media at the time. I selected it because it's a deeply haunted film and because everybody involved is haunted by something. And there's frequent, frequent references to the ghost of Rebecca.
1: Oh, definitely.
0: Very much so. But sadly, the ghost... Spoilers. Does not appear. Small content warning with this one, because suicidal themes. Suicide attempts, suicidal thoughts, and terminal illness. It's all fun and games at the De Winter household. (laughs) This is a sexy little black and white number, (laughs) and... Is our very first Hitchcock.
1: It is indeed.
0: Believe it or not.
1: It's taken us a while.
0: We did a film studies thing and it didn't have Hitchcock in it. What were we thinking? Were we mad? <laughs> well,
1: this is one of the more haunted of his films. He tended to do
0: yeah, he's thrillers, much more thriller.
1: crime, yeah. occ- occasional romances, but very little in the way of ghouls and goblins. Mm. But this is a proper gothic there is a romance element to it, weirdly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but, but yeah, definitely haunted.
0: We've got famouses in it that we'll come to later. We're in <laughs> 1940 at the minute, so things are pretty beautiful and we are post-war. No, we're
1: not. No, we're not. Well, we're post-A-War. That's
0: what I'm sorry. <laughs> we're post... <laughs> we're but, mid, aren't we?
1: Yeah, we're between the wars. But, well, the... The Second World War broke out about a week before filming began. But this was Hitchcock's first film in America. Of course, so he wasn't North there. America. And America didn't join the war until Pearl Harbor in 1941. So even though it was a very British-heavy production, he did bring over his secretary and a lot of the principal cast uh, British actors. This mm. was filmed entirely in North America for David O. Selznick productions. And so... Thankfully, although they did have the cloud of them being called up hanging over the production, it was not inconceivable after they'd started that Laurence Olivier and George Sanders, playing uh, the favourite cousin, might both have been called up for military service at any point, because they were both British citizens.
0: What a weird thought. Yeah,
1: but uh, but it didn't happen. Hmm. But yeah, Hitchcock at this point in his career has made his name in Britain mm-hmm. and British cinema, and has been now lured over the Atlantic by David O. Selznick to produce hit films in the States, and for the first one, mm. they chose this, which was an adaptation of the Daphne de Maurier novel that was big news at the time. Yes, it was a bestseller.
0: How long had it been out?
1: Um, about a year and a half, I think, by mm. the time the film came out. But it was, it was, it would have been optioned immediately. It was, yes. it was a publishing sensation upon publication and everyone was reading it, and that would be when they started to develop it.
0: Right. And And
1: Actually, we open, sorry if I may, Mm. we open on the opening lines of the novel in voiceover.
0: Last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. Indeed. Which I always, I never knew the again was there. I've never Ah. recalled the again, only the Mandalay. Beautiful, beautiful tracking shot as we follow... The narration of a dream from Mrs. De Winter, the current Mrs. De Winter, we assume. But we don't know anything about them yet. You know, it's beautiful. It's beautifully shot. It's incredibly well lit. It's lots of use of windows. Watch the windows in this film. They are part of the story. They feel like Rebecca's eyes watching everything. So Mm. as we move through the shots, we're moving as though we are a specter. Moving through the house, we're almost moving through walls because of the way she moves through windows. Yeah. It's in first person, so you you know, you are just wandering around as the camera. And mm.
1: no, and she says in her opening narration as well. She comes to the gates and then just melts right through them like you do in dreams. So it's a mis, yes. it's not a direct quote, but it's like- no,
0: but she the, yeah, and she does say like a I think she says uses the word spectre actually, mm. or like a spirit. What's her name? Oh yes, Joan Fontaine is the soon-to-be Mrs. De Winter. Yes,
1: we're going to have to... We should have this conversation now about how we refer to the narrator and main character of this film because she famously doesn't have a name except that Well,
0: which. I'm going for Mrs. De Winter versus Rebecca. Fair enough. Is that, that okay? That works, yes. Yeah? Yes. Because I I have confused it in my notes and thought they were both called Rebecca and that that was really mean. No. But, <laughs> he just says okay. a
1: thing for dame's name, Rebecca. Rebecca <laughs> De Winter. But the nameless narrator business was something that was taken, that was carried over from the book that Hitchcock yes. wanted to do away with, but Selznick was dead set on keeping because it was a, a famous thing.
0: Who was Selznick? Have you said this?
1: Selznick's David O. Selznick. I did mention him. He's the producer of yes. this film and known for being quite a micromanager on every, you know, every aspect of his production, as of course was Hitchcock which led to yeah. a, a few spicy meetings, but ultimately I mean, it, thankfully it did work and they produced this and they won Best Picture at the Oscars <laughs> but Selznick, it's important, I'll lay this out now, I think, Selznick was coming off the success of Gone with the Wind
0: mm, yes
1: which was another literary adaptation of a recent best-selling book mm-hmm. that was done extremely faithfully to the source material, to the extent that it's something like three and a half hours long and gone with the wind, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's an extremely lengthy um, <laughs>
0: Can't say I've sat through picture. all of it in one go.
1: So, but as it happens, I said, it also conquered the world and made more money yes. than anything. So this influenced the decision to be very faithful to the book with a couple of exceptions that we'll come to later.
0: Yes. Mandalay is fit by the way.
1: Oh it's not real of course they didn't have a location for it so anytime we see the house it's a model shop.
0: Yes it is based on one house in Cornwall in a place called Menabilly, the place in Cornwall. There's possibly ideas of it being from dramatic pause a place in a place called Milton Hall in Cambridgeshire as well so it's a it's a blend it's a bastard of right. the two places as dreams do i don't know if you find that but often if my dreams create a place they will create a place that's an amalgamation of everything so i went to five or six different primary schools mm-hmm. so when my brain takes me to school it takes me to the playground of one but the hall of the other. Yeah, but, the, but it know? all
1: makes sense internally <laughs> yes, in, the, in exactly. the dream logic. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, du Maurier rented that house. I've already forgotten Menabili. the name of it. Menabilly. Following the success of this book, it uh, brought her enough money that she could <laughs> live there and she lived there for years.
0: Good. F- I mean, I would. Yeah. I would do exactly the same thing. I love that. <laughs> so, we're introduced in a very Hitchcock shot to Soon to be Mrs. De Winter, which is a difficult thing to call her. Yeah. So, soon to be Mrs. De Winter, who is played by spoilers Joan Fontaine. <laughs> yeah, Joan Fontaine. You had good facts about Joan Fontaine, did you not?
1: Well, Joan Fontaine is the younger sister of Olivia de Havilland. Olivia got the surname because she started acting first because she was older. Yes, and Fontaine was always in her shadow a little bit. Of course, Olivia is in *God with the Wind*. Ah, oh, of course and she And was did want this role, and did audition for it, but didn't get it. Oof. It was the younger sister that did. They were from the de Havilland aircraft manufacturing family. Wow! I think they were both. Uh, they were both born in the Far East, of Shanghai, something like that. But hmm. brought up like proper English girls, even when they lived in California, which is why. Oh. Um, which is why Joan Fontaine has this slightly transatlantic accent
0: Yes, that's so interesting I bet that's very marketable
1: And she was very young at the time I 22, think 22 21 yeah. at the
0: time of filming I
1: think looks a bit younger but I think you were saying off air that you thought I she... believe
0: she looks like she's had a tough paper round but I really struggle to age people in in older films I've always have I always feel like people it's, it must be because of the way they dress and do makeup. Because, of course, the people that we've known doing that hair and makeup and dress sense are all over 70 now. Yeah. So my brain just goes, oh, they must be 40 odd. Yeah. (laughs) I know their skin is pure, but it's. I don't know. There's a certain way that people stressed then that is a different kind of stress now. I put she's such a beauty. She's got incredible lips. She's a very odd beauty for the time, I would say. She's not. She's very on point. She's very on brand for the 40s, you know.
1: Yeah, but she's not... Because we never see Rebecca, right? No. But we get a very clear picture of what Rebecca looks like, and she's very glamorous. Yes. And...
0: She's poised, and she's older.
1: Yeah, and Fontaine here is not glamorous. So whatever you may think of her, however you may describe her, I wouldn't...
0: She does overham the clumsy thing. It's funny, this feels like the very... A very early t- version of the trope from something like "She's All That," where <laughs> everyone suddenly notices her because she takes her glasses off and wears a dress. And in this one, everybody sort of starts paying attention to her because she ends up pairing up with status. Until that mm. point, she's a crazy, bumbling,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: child. Yes, you know.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. We'll come and we'll we'll come. You'll back hear to that, that point, word a lot. Yeah, a fair amount. Yes. Um, she was nominated for the Oscar, um, for best actress. Oh. It won best picture. uh, It won best picture. Yeah, it was nominated for a lot of Oscars, but didn't win many. But it did win best picture, which is a big one. But yes, she was nominated, but did not win.
0: So I bloody love Edith. She is Hmm. a Karen of the nineteen forties. I love these Karen character actors. I really do. Yeah. Uh, They're a very specific, lovable horror. I think. Of these biting women, and actually, we saw, I would say, a version of one that had aged into dilapidation, if you like, <laughs> with the haunting, Oh. the mother,
1: the mother in the the mother, oh, who who's mother? The
0: mother that raps on the walls. Oh right, yes, because yes.
1: she's we don't we don't get to meet her because she's died prior to the film starting.
0: I am, sp- conf- I suppose, why yes, I was yes. questioning. Yes, but we we know that's the relationship they had, and we know that she answers her. Yeah. in the way that you would answer somebody saying all these things yes. if you were the daughter. Like, yes, so yes, I that makes no, fair. that
1: makes sense. And if this film t- teaches us anything, it's that you can have a very good idea of a character despite the fact that they're not actually in the film.
0: Which is clearly a favourite of mine, <laughs> frankly. Did I not also pick The Haunting?
1: You may have done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm always rooting for the baddie. And it's nice when the baddie's not even visible. That's, that's good storytelling, I think. Yeah. We have some intense fashion goals on 40s Karen as well. I will keep calling her Edith from now on. Her name is Edith Van Hopper. Has some incredibly expensive beadwork on. Oh, my God. No one thinks of these things. But can you even imagine how long it would take to hand sew that volume of beads and sequins?
1: You're right, I hadn't thought of that
0: No, it's next level And these are beautifully spiralled um, brocade as well So raised velvet With the sparkles on them mm. With netting And then she's meant to look old fashioned and stuffy And a little bit mutton dressed as Lamy, But sort of Like a Yeah, like a An aggressively mouthy woman She also reminds me a little bit of Kathy Bates' character in Titanic Right. that yeah drawling yes
1: absolutely
0: bumbling but not bump sorry drawling a busybody yes. trying to be helpful but just a gossip like yeah no, that
1: was who i thought of i just couldn't remember i was yes i had to remember my brain from the night like to remember the other film about the titanic but it's the same person
0: oh really um, do I they mean, feature in both
1: it's the same yes the same passenger Wow. On the Titanic is, is portrayed in both... Imagine being
0: movies. known as yeah. that throughout time and cinema. <laughs> you know, you're just living your life and they're like this... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Strange well, busybody.
1: It's You know, imagine Mrs Van Hopper in a naval disaster. <laughs> yeah.
0: oh, I would love to be a fly on the wall that wasn't drowning. <laughs> Mrs Van Hopper travels with Joan Fontaine's character, who... Follows along behind her like a kind of clumsy Disney character. It really feels like Alice in Wonderland from that moment, as in the animated Disney classic. Right. I would say Queen of Hearts is our friend Van Hopper. Yeah. I would say, obviously, Alice is Joan Fontaine. But I would say the White Rabbit is probably this guy. It's probably Olivier. Laurence Olivier's character.
1: We We are
0: just about to meet him. And we are... We're watching Joan Fontaine get a dressing down constantly from this woman. So her self-confidence is obviously mashed into a tiny puddle on the floor anyway. Where she just agrees with everyone that she's a a blundering idiot. Yeah. And then why not meet the handsomest man she's ever seen in her life (laughs) at this point? You know? (laughs) The handsomest
1: man she's ever seen in her life who is... Standing, contemplating the abyss.
0: Yes, apologies. Yes, he's trying. To, he's thinking about dying. As far as we know, it's implied that he is about to commit suicide. And she says, "Oh, please don't jump." You know.
1: Yeah, which is quite um, out of almost out of character for her because she's sort of she never she rarely raises her voice for anything.
0: True, but it's also imagine an adult dealing with that situation. I don't think yeah. they would yell, "Please don't jump." No,
1: no, it is very heartfelt isn't it yes
0: it is i his reaction is what is it something like i'll do what i want (laughs) if you know
1: (laughs) yeah what are you what are you you know what are you doing there go go on go away leave me alone what are you doing shouting at me who are you yeah yeah
0: and then, for some reason, she apologises and walks off. Now, <laughs> there are some really pretty horrendous dynamics in this film. I'm not loving it for the sexist overtones. I'm loving it for the amazing storytelling. Unfortunately, that comes with a double helping of let's play silly little idiot bingo and see how many times this poor woman gets called that by a grown-ass man. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a fan... Of Laurence Olivier's character in this, but his posture is next level. I mean, as an actor, incredible. It's not his fault; he has an unlikable lead. Yeah, but...
1: and yeah, it's it's not news, is it that no. that, that Larry Olivier can act? <laughs> but <laughs> he's doing great. He's doing great work here with uh, the character as written.
0: Yes, for sure. Um, go on.
1: Uh, just just to say that Laurence Olivier didn't like Joan Fontaine very much, partly because. He wanted the part to go to his missus or his squeeze, Vivian Leigh, who is another fine actor. But it would is obviously completely wrong for this part. I and think.
0: was also in Gone with the Wind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think she would have been wrong, but oh. I think she would have made a very interesting Danny. Oh, <laughs> vicious little Danny, like a like yeah. a mean one.
1: She's much more of a Mrs. Danvers than a yes. than a. Than a big Mrs. Eyes De Winter, De Mrs. De Winter, second Mrs. De Winter. Oh, it's confusing, isn't it? Yes. But yeah, so it was quite mean to Joan Fontaine. Which...
0: Devore, sorry. Devore is the technique for for burning velvet.
1: Oh, right.
0: So you, you... <laughs> I wanted to do Devore. Sorry. sorry. When I said brocade earlier,
1: <laughs> you did not mean brocade.
0: I didn't mean brocade. Sorry to interrupt you, but I it just popped back into my head, and it's taken two days to do it. But devore is the that the name of that stuff that looks like netting with velvet traced a- around it. Right. Do you know what I mean yes. by that? Yeah. And it's because there's a sort of there's a chemical dye that you would paint around the design that you wanted, and it would burn the velvet away down to the backing. Right. And leave the raised yeah. bits with the pan. Yeah. Sorry, right. carry on. That's
1: all right. Yes. So Laurence Olivier didn't really like John Fontaine. And bullied her, and then because Hitchcock has form for this sort of thing, Mm. realized that this was a way to get a sort of cowed, shy, clumsy, awkward performance from Joan Fontaine, so quite happily told her that nobody on the production liked her very much and she wasn't doing very well to keep her confidence down.
0: That's really intense.
1: Yeah.
0: I wonder if she ever recovered.
1: I think her burning hatred for her sister fueled fueled Mm. her into her 90s, yeah, although. Olivia de Havilland did eventually outlive her, and they both made it. They both made it to their nineties. I think Olivia de Havilland was 102 when she died a couple of years ago. Good
0: grief! Yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, we're in the era of taking speed pills as diet pills. Yes. So, <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> um, know, it's a race uh, to the David
1: O. Selznick, at this point, let's say when he was the big, when he, he started making this film, mm. while they were in the middle of the editing and. Redubbing and reshoots for for uh, Gone with the Wind, mm-hmm. and of course trying to do two Forms of this scale at one time. meant that he was a massive fan of Benzedrine and was running around <laughs> and uh, went through a messy divorce quite soon afterwards because.
0: What's what's the Benzedrine signature move?
1: It's um it's a it's an amphetamine mm. uh, derivative I think. So, you know, you don't need to sleep very much. But you are a little bit sort of.
0: Twitchy. Twitchy, Mm. yeah. Do you know who Laurence Olivier's character. I forgot. Mr. De Winter. Maxim. uh, Do you know who Maxim's character reminds me of? Nope mr darcy from bridget jones's diary oh. some of my references in this episode are questionable at best but i do really agree with that one that's uh, oh, mr. Da-
1: mr darcy um, That's colin, colin firth. firth colin firth is nice though isn't he
0: oh that's all about that's all about perspective fair enough i yeah. always found him incredibly elitist and gross but everybody loves him, so no, that's fine. It's I'm it's, sure it's it's, fine. it's
1: Daniel Calver who's the horrible one. That's um, yeah, hot yeah. as
0: balls and self-confessed sex addict. You knew what you were getting with that. I feel by number two, you knew what you were getting. Fair enough. Wonder why all my relationships have ended so poorly, Ben. I wonder if,
1: I wonder if the Bridget Jones films are haunted.
0: <laughs> I am not going to talk about them for an hour and a half.
1: Maybe we'll do a mini. Moving on. Bridget Jones' um, Mini. Yeah, <laughs> But yes, yes. despite this rather Inauspicious uh, meeting on the clifftop It turns out that uh, Mr. De Winter Is staying at the same hotel As mm. Mrs. Van Hopper And her charge mm-hmm. her, war, her companion And Is also, turns out Quite a big cheese in the social world mm. You know, quite a catch Quite a, a desirable Acquaintance um, Yeah,
0: and wealthy
1: Yeah Yeah, extremely wealthy and rude
0: (laughs) I just think he's a horrible stain And he never redeems himself I know he's supposed to But he doesn't Do anything exceptional or interesting He has a big house
1: Yeah, he has a big house and a big secret
0: That's a funny name for it
1: (laughs) He's got secrets like a horse (laughs) Um Ah oh, but this yes. is where they also dropped the the news that he had a very beautiful wife who he was quite devoted to.
0: Yes. She died terribly.
1: Yeah, horribly.
0: Brief costume moment here just to bring it back to that's Devore. Lots of Devore <laughs> all over the place <laughs> Lots of Devore all over the place. But what I really like is how sharply they've dressed Edith,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that they've chosen specifically to give Joan Fontaine a chaotic collar that's oh. never the same in two shots. <laughs> it really wiggles around. I think it's made of a kind of a strange heavy chiffon. Right. So every time she moves, it kind of flusters around her. It's, it makes her look a bit like a kind of jellyfish on land. You're right, then? <laughs> yeah,
1: a jellyfish on land. Well,
0: you know, a bit floppy. Right, I don't know, a bit floppy, bit bit weird. So she's so cute; she is very cute, and her collar is deliberately chaotic. Right, and as soon as he finds out she's got daddy issues, he's like, "Yes, I'm in. I've got this." <laughs> Joan Fontaine drops something in there about like, "Oh, my dad's dead. We were best friends," you know. She, yeah,
1: they have they have lunch together after she knocks over a vase all over her own table because she's a klutz.
0: Oh yes.
1: And she got on. She's an orphan. Yes. Who is now a paid companion to Mrs. Van Houten, which is a very old-fashioned. Well, I mean, it's, it doesn't exist now. But even in 1940, because this seems to be roughly contemporary set. Guess what? What? I did that job. You did that job. Mm.
0: It exists. Sorry.
1: <laughs> well, it. It's well, incredibly rare. It, yes. To, be, it, it to is. be
0: put like that, but it was. I was put in with care work. I mean, uh,
1: Mrs Van Houten isn't... No, a, I think it's... She's a rich, a, lonely woman. I
0: think it's an overhang of that. And right. when I was hired, I was hired to help with the loneliness, not with the house.
1: Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, well, then, oh, I stand corrected. It's happening all the time, and there are dozens of them. You see them, they're queuing up at labour exchanges. <laughs> Why are you of, getting angry? Of, of paid companions. Why are you
0: getting angry with me?
1: Because it completely undermines my point.
0: You go for it. Go for your point.
1: It's that Maxim de Winter represents old England.
0: Mm-hmm. God, really?
1: He is the establishment. He's got a big house in the country that everybody comes to look at.
0: Right, okay.
1: And he, we'll find out later on, cares a great deal about, or cared a great deal about, things like the family honour. Yes. And this is a very old fashioned thing by 1914 it's about to be swept away by war mm. um, and so it's fitting that uh, his bride-to-be is also from the, the, old, time. the old time she's mm. just from under the stairs right she's
0: yes that's such a good point yes
1: but if as you say the paid companions are ubiquitous then it doesn't really work
0: I think they're used by different people now. But I, do th- I think it's no longer a status symbol, if right. that makes sense. And I yeah. think it would have been status to have a companion, or certainly to have needed one. Yeah. Um, because, of course, if you're that wealthy in that time, the only person that you could trust to be near, near you was someone that you paid to be near you. Mm-hmm. You couldn't possibly have love in a lot <laughs> of cases, you know? Yeah. Because... After a certain age and after maybe the death of a partner. Well, I assume she's I assume a she's widow. widowed
1: because she gets news later on that mm-hmm. her, one of her relations is getting married, is it? Yes. In? I can't remember who I it is. I can't remember exactly. who it is, no. But yes, I assume she's a sort of elderly, relatively elderly widow who inherited her husband's monies.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I got from it, even though it's never said, which is quite nice. Mm-hmm. And they often call them the widow, blah, 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 but there was yeah. no, there was none of that. So it is quite like a, maybe she is just independently wealthy and doesn't want a, man. It could be, but could be. Um, I doubt it. <laughs> We're in 1940. <laughs> yeah. but you're dead right. It's an overhang from a different time, and it's meant to be. I think it's a theme. I think the companion element and loneliness in the film is a is a big theme. Yeah, yeah um, I'd go along with that. So having Joan Fontaine step in as companion to everybody in, as a service, you know, is It really is. It's still, it's, 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 a PA right? of sorts. It's a social PA. I suppose. Yeah. Um, Because she does stuff for her as well. If she was just turning up to go to parties, it would be different, but she's very like, click, click, come on girl. She's a
1: proper isn't she? Like always bossing her about. Yes, definitely. Um, Yeah. There was the the detail that I wrote down
0: Mm -hmm.
1: from Joan Fontaine's Mm -hmm. conversation with Laurence Olivier as Maxim de Winter, about her father and that he just painted the same tree over and over and over again. Oh, yes. Because it felt like it was significant, but I don't really know of what. I wasn't able to tease out any significance for it, and nobody seems to have mentioned it in the literature.
0: (laughs) That's interesting. I wondered, I picked up on something similar. Mm Mm-hmm. It's Maxim's response to it is something along the lines of admiring the ability to do one thing again and again. But Mm. I wonder if that's just meant to be a nod to how much Maxim loves it when things don't change and everything's the same and we're all fine.
1: That's the English aristocracy again, isn't it? It is. It is. Yeah,
0: (laughs) totally. But it's also the difference between that life, the simplicity of that life and how complicated things got with Mrs. De Winter it's It's the life he wished was happening yep. for Mrs. de Winter that she was incredibly dull, and that her <laughs> her family were dull, and everything yep. was fine, and he could just mold her like a creepy second father into a caretaker for the house
1: yeah well, yes, I mean among other things, but yeah, and a shag oh I wasn't going for that, it's just that like what he wants from her is for her to be the antithesis of Rebecca. yes
0: but what I'm suggesting because he didn't know he wanted that from her at that point (laughs) what I'm suggesting is that it's a thing that tells us that as a character he prefers the sound of routine and solidness and dependability yeah to to Rebecca yes
1: but yeah from this well from a series of very inauspicious starts Mm -hmm. though they continue to see more of each
0: other. They do. I do have a small thing before mm, that, though. Lovely, course. romantic score, very beautiful score, actually. But very Hitchcock. Already, we have the signature being these sweeping, amazing, kind of strangely tense scores that are always going on. You know, Our
1: Friends waxman did the music, which you very predict.
0: nice. Yes, we should. She's nervous and chuntering and I totally feel it. But why is drowning a topic?
1: <laughs> like
0: she's just like, hey, do you know what? Drowning, and. Of course, absolutely eager to fill her in later and not knowing that this conversation was had. Edith <laughs> is like, oh, yeah, Rebecca Hillridge, you married. Yeah, she drowned.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was a terrible thing. He's, he, was, he was devoted to her, and he's never got over it.
0: Yeah, and I really love Joan Fontaine's face at that moment. <laughs> she looks like the world's just ended. It's so... Yeah. I suppose, actually, in those moments, yes, yeah, she does look a lot more like 18. You know, yeah. it's it's a mortified eighteen year old when your dad's come out in an in an open robe, <laughs> you know, and your partner's there. But
1: there's a lot of of chat actually in some of the contemporary promotional material for the film, which for which information and a few other things I say I am indebted to the recent BFI monograph on the on the film, which is also called Rebecca by Patricia White. And one of the things she points out is that a lot of the a lot of the advertising and whatnot for the film sort of brings up her, the relatability for female audience members with the second Mrs. De Winter okay, yes. as this sort of like, you you empathise because you it's a very relatable thing to have mm-hmm. made a faux pas with like a handsome, sophisticated gentleman. I don't know, but it seemed to have. It seemed. I mean, it it did great guns at the box office, and as I say, won multiple awards. And we're talking about it like eighty one years later. I mean,
0: I'm not going to lie, Bridget Jones. <laughs> the formula yeah. works. Yeah,
1: it's <laughs> that's surprisingly a good point.
0: <sighs> of course, she drowned. I've heard. Yeah. Very early use of the repeated echo of something that was said earlier in the day, tormenting oh, a dreamer nice. or a sleeper. I wanted to put that in there as well, just in case it's like a very, like extremely early sample. You know? Yeah. Because we're only just, we're not, I mean, we're not long in talking. A decade. Yeah.
1: So, yeah.
0: That's really not long.
1: No. but We're They're not, not
0: making films as quickly as they do now. But
1: we're also like not long in uh, the ability to do things like that, because for ah. so long, and in fact one of hitchcock's early talkies and i forget which one it is it was um noted for having a score because he could didn't used to be able to do that oh, Everything used to in his life. so there was a scene there's a scene where somebody is standing i think shaving or certainly in a bathroom looking at a mirror and there's sort of like an orchestral swell as he realizes something and uh hitchcock achieved that by putting an orchestra behind the wall <laughs> Wow. <laughs> there because That's so you could only, satisfying. You could only record it. You know, you couldn't do ADR. Basically, it was all all done at the time.
0: That's really so, incredible. So, yeah, what a um, good fact. I mean, not about this film, but,
1: <laughs> say, but unfortunately, I've forgotten which one it was. But if I if I remember,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: we'll, we'll we'll I'll find out and put it up. And then if it turns out I've been talking nonsense, I'll cut it out entirely. And never hear.
0: This is the only film Hitchcock made that was Best Picture. Oh
1: yes, I forgot to mention. Yes. Yes. Yeah, a lot of his stuff was, like, less highbrow than this somehow, you know? Yes. Like, um, things like North Bend Northwest is a wonderful picture, but it is hokum, you know? It isn't the sort of thing that they gave awards to then.
0: Totally. No, of course. Yeah.
1: Whereas this has more of a, a bit more prestigious somehow. Partly because it's a literary adaptation, I think. Well, I I
0: wanted to say, like, the choice to film it in black and white was really bold given that you could easily do it in colour, but it was a choice, you know, Hitchcock yeah. going like, no, this is a creepy book, we're going to make it a creepy film. Nothing yeah. creepier than black and white. Yeah,
1: because he would have been... Nothing's so for sure he would have been offered colour, especially the say after Gone with the Wind, which is in colour. Mm. And But Selznick had the the budget and the clout mm-hmm. to do that, because yeah, not everybody got to make colour films in
0: 1940. Oh. What's the Hammond Nova called?
1: Oh, that is a very early synthesizer.
0: That's what—that's the noise there that we you were asking right. about. Right, because it's whenever Rebecca's mentioned. Yeah. So every time she's mentioned, they do that note, that strange drone. And I think it's where it starts here when she says, oh, um, when they're in the bedroom and talking. That's what made me look for it. When they're in the bedroom and talking, it's it's that facial expression that I said was really youthful from Joe mm-hmm. Fontaine is done with that drone behind mm-hmm. it, yeah, 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 it's eerie
1: the the novel no, I'll come to that later,
0: okay, so we've had a dream, but yes you're dead right they they he's not pretty enough. Oh, that was mean. Ah, sorry. They start a little kind of mini relationship where Joan Fontaine pretends she's off to learn tennis. Yeah. And is actually going out for drives with him.
1: Yeah. And, and, I think we get to see at least the start of one of these where Mm. she's going out to play tennis and he says, do you like tennis? And she says, not particularly. He says, come on, you're coming for a drive with me. (laughs) And he just sort of bundles her into the car.
0: He dumps the tennis racket by a plant pot. And I put, he's not pretty enough to be as much of a dick as he's being.
1: Oh, he's very handsome.
0: I'm not so I've seen him handsome and I'm not so sure in this film. I wonder if it's tiny... I was going to call it something else. Tiny pencil moustache has never really been for me. Ah, no, enough. it's not. It's not my jam.
1: Fair enough.
0: Full beard or don't do it. Frankly, <laughs> I'll bear that in mind. Mm.
1: But I, I don't mean to convey the impression that um, the second Mrs De Winter is like not. It would rather be playing tennis or something. She's, she's obviously getting something out of this, <laughs> and um, yeah, seems to sort of fall madly in love with him. I suppose he's a very commanding he's gross. figure. He's gross.
0: He's gross and her dad's dead. Like, I feel it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you see, I said one of the things you said you got on very well with her dad. And uh, you, I kept saying that and you kept trying tw- to tw- tw- twist it into something Oedipal. And I don't mean that. It's just their relationship feels very father-daughter rather than
0: Yeah, that's all you had romantic. to say before. What you were saying was, she got on very well with her father and me going, What are you what are you implying? and you going, She got on very well with her father Which to any human that's ever watched American television means she banged her dad.
1: No it doesn't. Well maybe it does maybe. But
0: still What you were implying was that their dynamic, Joan Fontaine and Laurence Olivier's characters, that that dynamic yeah. is father daughtery. I would be very concerned if that was a father daughter dynamic, frankly. even in 1940 I'd be concerned because there is an edge to it where it feels like he's trying to decide how malleable she is I wrote in my notes he's constantly trying to get her to be something else you know he wants her to be something else or he wants her to not do something or he wants to you know and I've put lol Lawrence the goth because he's he's very um, you know you could put him in a full length matrix jacket and some eyeliner and he'd still be doing the exact same job you know, script-wise, no?
1: I think so. I, I've, I'm being very surprisingly hard. Surprisingly, I've never thought about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. um.
0: <laughs> it's, this is not... I, I want to make it clear. That's not that I dislike this stuff. Mm-hmm. It has a time and a place and it fits somewhere else. I just think it's important to look at it in the context of now as well. Because we're watching it in 2021. What year is this? 2021? 2021, 2021 yeah. And uh, it needs to be looked at through through a few different lenses. I like to think that the one that I'm looking at it through is kind, but still pretty disgusted with the treatment of women throughout this film. Most women. <laughs> um And actually a kind of vague disappointment in their behavior as well. <laughs> but again, it's because it's of the time. It's not, it's not like it is today just to put it really, really obviously. And, uh, it shows this one this is one of the ones that we've cut i tell you what i'm trying to say i know that we've commented about being consistently shocked by how bold women are in films in the time periods we're watching them how well they're written how exciting they are how there are queer coded people in things yeah and this i think is the first one we've watched that isn't a silent where the women are the woman is useless Right, <laughs> you know where she's written as if a man has written, even though it's definitely Demario's character. Yeah, where it's written as if a man has written a woman to be weak right up until the last minute. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: And the man's display of power is, you know, in, in inverted commas, is just to describe all the things she's doing that are wrong, <laughs> and play the game of silly little idiot. It's not affectionate enough. Mm. Maybe it's become maybe that's what I'm picking up on. That Laurence Olivier just didn't like her. So some of those lines yeah. were supposed to be delivered with like a that
1: that yes, that he likes that she's a silly little idiot. Yes,
0: that there's a fondness. There's yeah. a there's a like oh you silly thing. You know, like yeah. you daft sod. Yeah. But it comes out as um that guy from Secretary. <laughs> you <know? laughs> And she's too innocent.
1: Well, weirdly, I I pick up nothing nothing sexual in his interest in her whatsoever. Um, I mean, it doesn't
0: look like he likes her in any way, shape or form. (laughs) Let alone sexually, no. No. He's doing kind of doming wrong and dating wrong. And yet she's like, in love.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That's what
0: I mean about daddy issues. It's right there. You
1: know, attention is a powerful thing, right? It is, yeah, yeah. I don't imagine she's had a whole lot of it.
0: Promise me you'll never be thirty-six years old, and I've put them's murder in words.
1: <laughs> yeah, you you picked up this as if he's has a he's just jonesing to murder another Mrs. De Winter. Spoiler. Yes, and yeah, I mean, from the off, <laughs> it is. There is something sinister about it. It's very sinister, but uh, to me, it is more than explained by his. Case history, if you'd like, that we'll come to later. I suppose. Mm.
0: Eh. Gross. (laughs) She has a terrible fake mother and fake father, I've written.
1: So, who's her fake father? Is that him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, I was obviously already with you, I just framed it slightly differently. So, fake father is awful. Yeah. Fake mother is Edith and equally terrible. Yeah. And fake mother has decided that they're leaving her whatever relative is getting married and we're off today. Yes. Surely you're amazing at tennis by now. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) Well,
1: yes, because the only reason they've been able to play all of this tennis together Mm -hmm. is because uh, Mrs Van Hopper is ill. Has been unwell in bed and so her young companion has been able to get away. Yeah. Which I think is mentioned, which of course implies that she spends most of her time just running after uh, this tiresome old woman.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So... It's a little bit heartbreaking. And I think, again, it's because Joan Fontaine has such a beautiful face for it. She has a really good face for looking gleeful and then looking sad. Yeah. Like a little puppy. (laughs) There's me overreacting to you little fool again. And I put you little prick. (laughs) You know, like, that's what you're getting from me. I'm asking. So. There's a nice. Oh, I missed the call. Oh, he missed the call. We all missed the call. Well, Joan Fontaine tries desperately to contact Mr. De Winter.
1: Yeah and this is a bit more sort of forward from her than we've seen up to this point
0: Yes she is just frightened that she'll lose something that they've got together Yeah um, whatever she wants, that may be Yeah she wants him to know that she's leaving it's very sweet And when she does finally catch him there's a risque moment where he just gets out of the shower That's quite interesting Oh yes
1: because he's, he's talking to her through the bathroom wall isn't yeah,
0: he Yeah and I think that's meant like I try to decode it I think that's meant to be sexy I think that's the 40s version of a gratuitous shower shot. Right. You know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Where we'd have,
0: like, Christian Grey, you know, I don't know, washing his penis. And then (laughs) what's-her-face comes through going like, oh, I didn't know you were nudie.
1: You
0: know? I'm sure that's how it goes. I'm never going to watch
1: that film. We're very close in (laughs) time. I didn't know you were nudie. (laughs) We're very close in time to Topper, of course. which, Which is a... Um, Another shower a, scene—a a nude, invisible lady having a shower. Yeah,
0: I know. Actually, yeah. we do see in the shower with him, though we saw Tupper. Oh yes,
1: of course, Tupper. Yes, poor old Tupper is 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 bathing and being henpecked by his own butler. Poor but Topper. yeah, there, it's 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 the domestic space we don't normally see, so it's intimate, isn't it? Rather yes. than particularly hot. I don't know. Perhaps audiences in the forties were. Well, into that's what that. I'm
0: wondering. Is is you know we see there's quite a few little bits and pieces of things that I think really fit fit the bill of salacious.
1: Yeah, which sort is of... weird for a film that is so sexless for a lot of its running time.
0: Yeah. But then I don't know if it is, again, uh, picking up Dom vibes from him. Right. And sort of he's constantly pushing the barrier. He's just not very good at it. He's a, he's a F-boy Dom where he's like, yeah, I'll choke you. And they don't know that you go from the side, not from the front, you know? Right. You
1: know what I mean? Oh yes, but she does she does eventually of course manage to catch him and then gets a really romantic marriage proposal. Are we there?
0: I'm asking you to marry me, you little fool.
1: Well, because says, Would you like to come would you like to go to New York with Mrs. Van Houten, or would you like to come back to Mandalay with me? And because she is an idiot, she says, Oh, do you need a secretary or something? <laughs>
0: that's not because she's an idiot, that's well, because got, she can't, that's the self esteem that Because she can't been...
1: conceive of Yeah. Him. Oh, that's an interesting, perhaps Freudian slip. She, she can't <laughs> imagine that he will want to marry. I don't think she even says, "I'm not the kind of girl that that men want to marry."
0: Yeah, that terrible manifestation. That
1: might be from the novel, but um, no, she says she it. She says it here as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, he is somewhat exasperated with that because he's a big, powerful man, used to getting what he wants, and um, and it's clearly a a brusque proposal.
0: Yuck he had two places set up at breakfast the little playboy (laughs) in advance Uh, and then I put lol love how does she how is this love (laughs) (laughs) because obviously she's decided that she loves him now and his response to that is it's a pity you have to grow up Yeah. it's so gross it's so gross I kept trying to look at it through the lens of don't ever change, which I also think is a horrible thing to say to somebody. But, you know, in the context of romance, in it, as it exists in the in the cinema world.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't ever change. Don't become That's, anything. Don't do anything. You promise
1: me you'll never be 36. Yeah, It's so dark. Which, you know, as a 35 year old.
0: <laughs> You're not allowed. Yeah. We'll skip it. You can be 37. All right. Those tea instructions as well. It turns out he wanted a secretary after all, but with sex, making violent love to you behind a palm tree equals the perfect proposal. That was in his mind. Yes, I
1: mean, it does. It's nineteen. It's nineteen forty. He doesn't mean penetrative sex. Really? Yeah, really. I presume. Well, Lord, what do I know? But my presumption is that he means making love in the old-fashioned sense of courtly love talk. Really, that's my assumption.
0: Making violent love to you behind a palm tree.
1: Yeah, it doesn't means mean aggressively.
0: Aggressively <laughs> <laughs> means aggressively wooing you. That's
1: that's uh, hand on heart. Uh, my interpretation of that uh, in, um, entirely. Yeah, yeah. Because he's <laughs> he's old. English money you know, he's no,
0: old know. landed gentry. I know, I just it it's I don't
1: know when it I don't know when it changed over to meaning Coitus, but I feel oh. like it was after this. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But also there's nothing about her character that suggests that she would like to be violently knobbed against a, behind some some, a palm tree. a palm tree, yeah, not haberdashery, what well, shrubbery, that's the word I was going for. <laughs> nothing about her would suggest that, but there is to me because she she really is like all all a flutter, isn't she you know I, I feel yeah. like there is something in a character that would appreciate the old Valentino touch
0: what does that mean,
1: like Rudolph Valentino, like the son of the sheikh right nineteen twenty one so the this idea about like the exotic ah rich lover yes. who will come and, and whisper sweet things into your ear in the in the shade of a palm tree for instance. But maybe he's saying just need a good hard bang. <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's Florence Bates playing Edith.
1: Oh, thank you. She's that's okay. Marvellous
0: she's incredible. Her face falling it so they they decide in their I don't know Love and Abandon to to We're tell friends. edith that what's happened to tell to tell edith that they're getting married mm-hmm. and that she's not coming to america and you're going to have to i don't know get a different one <laughs> but her face falling is such a picture so in order mm. to tell them obviously mr brightside takes over and is he calls down to the car where Mrs. Yeah. Where edith is waiting and says yes i'd like to see you in my room basically and she's like oh goodness in his room excellent
1: yeah because she's always been for the for curious the, and nosy and, and keeps saying oh, i can't understand why he hasn't called me yeah I, we're old friends we met in monte well they're in monte carlo now monte. So we met in biarritz or somewhere you know somewhere else of the where mm-hmm. the jet set would go so and she's a snob basically yeah. so of course she's lured up by the promise of an audience.
0: Tennis lessons, my foot.
1: <laughs> but so, yeah, we get this wonderful crash zoom in on her face, which suggests that Hitchcock knew exactly what he had yeah. with this actress. Yes, and was 100%. going to make yeah,
0: use yeah. of it. And she's ever so nice. She's like, oh, where are my manners? You know, eventually. Mm-hmm. And as soon as Rich Boy leaves the room, her face drop is absolutely mm. frightening. Like, I've seen it. It's many females that I've seen and met in my lifetime, of any kind of status, just doing the like and drop the veil, and it's awful. It's an awful thing to do to someone, but um, this is what Joan Fontaine was fearing,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and here it is. And I said, Edith smells a rat. She's such a drag icon. The (laughs) reeds, the reeds on this woman. It's just. Bang, 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 bang. All these horrendous comments. I didn't write any of them down, did you?
1: No, me neither, other than I can't see you... I didn't write it down, but I remember her saying, I can't see you doing it, mistress of a house like Mandalay. Yes. Um, That it just seems to be just implying that she just hasn't got it in her to be the wife of a man like Maxim.
0: Yes, but I also feel like the reason that Edith treats her so poorly is because she's so drastically jealous of her, and that this is such a and that
1: she's used to treating her poorly anyway, right?
0: True, true. true. So away they go. Um, It's bloody raining.
1: For drama, we're back in England, (laughs) Mm,
0: England, Cornwall. It's for drama, obviously, and it's a bit of an omen. All that rain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I put Lol the staff.
1: <laughs> oh yes, because we after the after another lovely miniature shop mm. we meet the staff of the house who are all turned out in their finery mm-hmm. and outnumber the residents something like forty to one, I think, by the look of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important though, it's a big place. How are you gonna keep that on your own? Indeed. Indeed. And stepping ahead of them like an actual cobra is Mrs. Danvers. Ah yes who just slides in front. She was told not to blink by Hitchcock, right. which is why. Well well noticed. Because, yes,
1: she does she she never blinks. She
0: blinks as little as possible in her scene. She is one of my favourite characters of horror and I do see her as that. Like she's a horror figure. She's the she feels like the scorned lover. Regardless of how
1: I mean Yeah well
0: (laughs) regardless of how that works in the mechanics of the film if she was an archetype the the scorned woman or even the mother of the man Mm
1: -hmm. you know the
0: mother of the groom that kind of you'll never be good enough for my boy kind of yep even though that's not her bag it still feels like that um she's all in black she's a sinister figure she's amazing um Lawrence Olivier here really reminds me of Ray Fiennes. And I've, I've realised what the pattern is between them. Ray Fiennes and uh, Colin Firth. Oh, yeah. Don't open their mouths when they speak. That's what it is. Nor does he in this character. He does in other films. Yeah. But in this one, he's chosen to play it very buttoned down, very closed mouth because it's the old England thing. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's what's doing it. The, the tight posture and tight lips together is mm-hmm. uh, very much that way.
1: Yeah, I can see that. And on meeting with the staff, the new Mrs. De Winter, we can call her that now, she is, they are married, drops her her glove. All the flowers. All the flowers.
0: Oh, yeah. He did a brief moment of romance. Well,
1: yeah, so, that's the thing, he's not, I I will defend him in that he's not an ogre. You know, even though, because there's elements of Bluebeard here you know, Yes. like what happened to the first Mrs. De Winter mm. you know don't go in the nobody goes in the West Wing anymore since she died and there are a few things that if you talk about them with him will bring him into a rage
0: mm-hmm.
1: and he's got a temper on him mm. as Maxim but he, he is capable of feeling you yeah. know and he does realize after they've had the registry office do that she would have liked. She said, "Yeah, she you would have liked. She would have liked a, a trousseau. She would have liked a, a veil. She would have liked mm-hmm. a wedding dress and everything." So he just goes to the uh, street seller and buys all of the flowers that she has and yeah. dumps them on his new bride's lap.
0: And they nearly forget the, the wedding certificate, the marriage certificate. Yes, they it's throw thrown it out the window.
1: Yeah, and and then presumably they're off on honeymoon. We don't see that. That's
0: till later. Yeah. yeah that,
1: that, so yes. So we and then and then we're back in back home mm. you know he's brought his new bride home to the ancestral home to the rain to the rain yeah and
0: mrs davis
1: yeah yeah so this is where our two well the two principal female characters who are
0: present. physically present mm-hmm.
1: because rebecca is certainly present she's just not yeah in the film <laughs> this is where they meet uh when when mrs de winter drops her gloves Mm. And then they both awkwardly bend towards them, and my notice it, like like lovers, they're just the way they bend into each other, mm. both going for the gloves hesitantly, mm-hmm. which again, as well as being a nice little visual bit of mirroring from the two of them as sort of like a dance or a fight, gives us that the new Mrs. De Winter isn't sure of her place, Yes, because these are this is her staff, presumably she can. Bust them about, order them about, get them to do as they please. But she still bends down to pick up her own glove yep. because she w- has always been
0: the sub, serv- the serving service. girl. Yeah. yeah. I've put that she might be Missus De Winter's nemesis, but also Edith's shadow self. And actually, I oh, I, dis- I sort of disagree with myself in a way. I wonder if she's Missus De Winter's actual shadow. She's the the jealousy. She's all the things that Joan Fontaine doesn't allow herself to externalize.
1: Who is Missus um, Danvers? Missus
0: Denver's? She's je- fiercely jealous. She's possessive. She's petty. She's cruel, and it's all these things that are stirred up in Missus De Winter, mm-hmm. but that she never actually acts on. Mm-hmm. And it's quite an interesting idea, also the, the the being in black and floating around behind her and sort of doing the things and again from dracula and from phantom of the opera the shadow touching somebody before sure the actual danger does i wonder if mrs denver's sorry i wonder if mrs danvers becomes the shadow that touches before the actual danger appears mm. she's an eerie eerie figure yeah in that Well, that's way. interesting she's because of course shadowy. she's
1: also very much of Rebecca, she's a shadow of Rebecca Exactly, but I
0: wonder if she's just the shadow of Mrs. De Winter
1: Whoever the current incumbent may be Yeah Yes.
0: (laughs) And of course if Rebecca was very dark then her shadow would appear as light, wouldn't it? As the lighter version as the more sound, as the kinder, as the loving version
1: Yeah, Uh, which is the second Mrs. De Winter, so they're all in a do you know, yeah, yeah, so they're yeah. all triangulated together. They're a sundial.
0: <laughs> 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 sundial de winter.
1: Uh, what? what time is it, Maxim? <laughs> <laughs> oh um, God,
0: yeah, he'd go mad. Anyway, so many mother issues and jealousy themes. I've put so many of all so of the above. Yes, and they took talk- this. It's the pause, and then saying the first Mrs. De Winter. Mm-hmm. When they correct themselves, all the staff do it, or some people do it all the time. Yeah. Mrs. Danvers does a slow turn like nothing else. There's a lot of lovely, gorgeous shots of rain on old windows in the light. I asked if she was in love with Rebecca.
1: What was your feeling?
0: I really thought they'd had an affair. I really thought they'd had an actual affair.
1: Right.
0: Or that, even though Mrs. Danvers wouldn't have approved. Of that, in a way, I feel like the seductive power of rebecca mm-hmm. would have allowed her to blur her boundaries a little bit right what
1: no, i just I don't think
0: I want everybody to be shagging all the time That's how no it I was. Do.
1: yeah, but
0: do you think she just admired her deeply
1: I mean, oh certainly, I mean she like more than like more than that, like so she was m- in love with Mrs it. Denver's loves Rebecca Mm. but being Rebecca's sort of confidant in the way that she was gave her such access Mm -hmm. to this to to Rebecca you know and she talks we'll we'll get to that scene yeah uh, later but and I think uh, so I can see Mrs. Danvers being in love with her but I cannot see Rebecca
0: sleeping with the staff that's true oh I don't think it would matter that it was staff because I think she would have gone with Anybody, but from the way she's painted. But
1: it's but to me that it's more that what Rebecca gives in return for the adoration, if you'd like, is
0: access. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Yes, I could agree with that. Actually, the dog is outside. Miss, the dog is outside Rebecca's old room, waiting for its mistress. Yeah,
1: who will never return. Well, who who (laughs) is perhaps there now and is never far away.
0: Yes the long table trope everybody the lower class girl sat at the upper class table and being miles away from her new husband yeah it's an oldie but a goodie and she's she does an excellent awkward face um i like I, it
1: i want to talk a little bit about the set design please. here please because we're in mandalay mm-hmm. and of course it's all sets it's all yep. uh, it's at the Selznick studios and hitchcock has just come from Britain where mm-hmm. by the, at this point in his career he'd already made 39 steps The Lady Vanishes and quite big films and you know especially for sort the of british cinema of the 30s but Britain is not america so here mm-hmm. this is this, these are the biggest sets he's ever had to play with so far he'll mm-hmm. get you know he'll get bigger but then of course he will continue his career for another 30 years and so i feel like he's really given a bit of free reign with this so we get swooping vistas we get very large rooms some of them are augmented with paintings in the background yeah but it does work it does hang together and Mandalay is so big and Mrs de Winter is so small. Yes. <laughs> Basically. Yes, yes. <laughs> she's she's really swamped by the architecture. Not mm. just this this table, yes, but even she, sometimes she has to lift, reach up to get the door handles there at sort of shoulder height. That's true, um, yes. She's very little, and it is all very big. And it's really, really nicely done. And, you know, it's really opulent, and it looks the part.
0: Yes. Yes, dead right. I like Crawley. We're oh, introduced yes. to Crawley. I can't remember how he enters, but he's very Me sweet neither. and he's very yeah. jumpy and he's actually the first person who's been kind to Mrs. DeWinter at any point in this film.
1: Yeah, actively first person who's been kind. actively kind, mm-hmm. yes.
0: He's very, very sweet. Um, but the whole thing is incredibly haunted by, De Winter, by Rebecca. Um, yeah. There's some, you know, they have a brief conversation where it's like, I think it's Crawley, in fact, that, that's... What's his job? He's the lawyer, maybe?
1: He's the factor, basically. He looks after the estates.
0: There we go, yes. So he fills Mrs. De Winter in on the relationship between Mrs. Danvers and Rebecca. Yeah. Saying, oh, terribly close. Very fond of her. You know, you'll have a job getting through that, basically. Yeah. You know, she's quite stern. Don't be frightened of her. She's barks worse than a bite,
1: that kind of thing. Yeah, because there's a scene, I think I think there's a scene before this when Mrs. Danvers is taking Mrs. De Winter through, mm. you know, the duties of the house, mm-hmm. where poor sweet Mrs. De Winter says, oh, yeah, I do hope we'll be friends. Oh dear. Which is, is so sweet and doomed, is my note on this. <laughs> <laughs> is because it's not, no, you can't be friends. You're the, you're the lady of the house yep. and she is one of the servants she's an
0: angry <laughs> unblinking snake lady. exactly yeah.
1: yeah and uh not yeah. made for friendship yeah whereas crawley, crawley. frank
0: frank crawley Frank yeah. crawley
1: doesn't work for her no you know he's he works for the, the her husband so they can have a, a more of a mm-hmm. natural friendship and also he seems like a nice guy all the way through yeah he's just sweet. To, well there's a there is a there's a stain thrown into his character later on but we'll come to that
0: there's a really gorgeous shot that lingers on the butler in the hallway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Incredibly well lit, but it's supposed to be that Mrs. De Winter has said something so strange, <laughs> you know, because it's to illustrate that the walls have ears. It's the classic thing of the the staff know all. Oh, yeah. And everybody talks amongst each other. And if you've ever been that staff, you really do. <laughs> yeah. You know Everything. Waiting on at big parties of incredibly wealthy, old money people. There's nothing quite like gathering on the stairs to chat about the conversations you've overheard. Like <laughs> it's 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 a thing.
1: Yeah. And they've all been there forever as well. You know they all remember the old they all remember the old mistress, which means they've been running the house
0: yes on their
1: own for a year or so. Because
0: mm-hmm. it, it
1: is implied, if not outright stated, that Maxim has been away since his wife's death for a lot of the time.
0: Finding an ex's handwriting is always a real shocker in a house, I find. As someone that ends up tidying a lot, uh, finding the handwriting or the love note from an ex-lover is a tough one. I just put it in a memory box. <laughs> I start start a memory box and then put it in the box and go, look, there's memories in there. Don't well,
1: she's, touch I mean, on pain of death. Mrs. The new Mrs. De Winter is living in a giant memory box. She is, exactly. With, with monograms at every turn.
0: Yes, I just. <laughs> yes, I'll talk about that later actually, because I did make quite a point of the R. Mm. Mrs. De Winter's been dead for over a year. Whoops, <laughs> you know, and no <laughs> one's moved anything. Yeah. A dress books full of lords and ladies, which is a particularly interesting. Yeah. Note, and I said, and now you've gone and broken an heirloom.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. She spends her time in this film knocking things over, breaking things, dropping things.
0: Yes. That's why I put haha, because Mrs. De Winter's been dead for over a year. It's what she says on the phone. Oh, yes,
1: someone's looking for Mrs. De Winter. She feels so overpowered by Rebecca that she doesn't Mm. realise that's her.
0: Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. She's informed by the snake lady that uh, that's the internal phone. Yes. That's probably the gardener. Yeah. But it also implies that she's always listening once again.
1: Yeah, she's just, she's always, it's a big house, but Mrs. Danvers is just always there.
0: Yes. My second favourite appear, character appears now, Beatrice, the sister oh, yes. of Mr. De Winter. Yeah. And her husband, Giles, who is a hot mess of a human being. <laughs>
1: it's it's uh, Nigel Bruce, who is best known, if he's known at all these days, as the bumbling Watson to Basil Rathbone's wow. Sherlock Holmes. And he plays exactly the same character yeah. here. Yeah,
0: a little bit less booze.
1: Yeah,
0: the chat about whether or not she's an ex chorus girl because yeah. she was picked up in Paris, you know. Yeah,
1: Monte Carlo. Monte Carlo, and she's much younger, and she's not from a family.
0: Yes, she's not a name. I don't know. I quite like. I quite like how they handle that. Nothing's awkward because they're wealthy. Yeah. So nothing's ever actually unseemly.
1: Well, it's awkward for, her, for, yeah, for Mrs. De Winter. Yeah, but not for the them in any way. No. They're, you
0: know, she's heard all of it, and they know it, and he's just a bit like, oh, not a chorus girl then. You know, Giles, you're very much in the way here. Go away. Yes. <laughs> <It's>,
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's an interesting point that they're, they're siblings. Maxim and yes. um, his sister. What's her yes.
0: name? Yes. Beatrice.
1: It's Maxim and Beatrice. Thank you. Mm. Because they both have quite an imperious manner.
0: <laughs> yes but isn't it interesting how it manifests differently in Maxim versus Beatrice Maxim acts like he's never spoken to a human <laughs> he, He's really not sure why he's even having to say things out loud And nobody's just intuiting his every need Which is what somebody yeah. who's grown up with a lot of servants would do Yeah. Whereas Beatrice has moved out of the family home because she's the woman
1: yeah, she she's married off into, to an older man. Presumably she did, time.
0: yeah. She married off to Giles. And she rules the roost because she knows how to manage a household and yes. servants and all the rest of it. And of course, why not manage your bumbling, strange old husband as in well? In exactly
1: the same way, yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: exactly. But I don't feel like she's cruel. It feels, it, it. she's managed it. It feels sweet to be like, you're very much in the way. Go away. Just.
1: <laughs> Well, I mean she's capable of casual cruelty, you know, she says, I can see by the way you dress, you don't care a hang what you look like <laughs> Which is a yeah. horrible thing to say to somebody.
0: <laughs> Mrs. De Winter's so sweet. Giles has his foot in his mouth a lot of the time. <laughs> I think he mentioned some terrible thing about I don't know, try not to drown at sea. Yeah. You know <laughs> You don't, Oh that was it. That's genuinely it. It was do you, Do oh, you like sailing? sailing? No, like, just as well. Just as well. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I cause, really like him. Because they... we haven't had the... But, but this is one of the ways in which Rebecca haunts the film, right? We, yeah. we're, we're getting all the way through. All this is happening to our putative main character. And sure, you know, stuff is happening and she has a journey and an mm-hmm. arc. The, but, but also we're learning bit by bit and piece by piece the story of the other Mrs. De Winter, the one who is so much more present in the house despite the fact that she's long in the grave.
0: Yep. Lots of backhanded insults later, and then a really nice mystery film moment where the sister goes. But of course, you know the whole story. Oh yeah. Which is just so frustrating because yeah. of course that's the moment you want to be like, "Can you just tell me the story?" But yeah, because but no she
1: can't. I mean, it's not in her nature anyway. But even if it was, it's a bit of a faux pas to because then you're dropping your new husband in it who
0: hasn't told you anything yet. Yeah, exactly. Jasper is the name of the dog.
1: Ah. And yes. I've put
0: Jasper's not fat. He's perfect. Because <laughs> Mister De Winter says, "Come on, we'll run some of that fat off too," and he's like, Trop, trot, "Trot, trot, trot. I'm trot, a healthy
1: girl." Yes, is this when they? Is this when they go out for a, a walk and Jasper runs down to the beach? or Yes, is that later? Yeah.
0: they're not really at the cove. Oh, yes, they're not really at the cove. It's very strange. They're yeah. green screen, but of course they are.
1: Yeah, it's back projection because they because green screen hasn't been invented yet. Yep. and because we're all studio well, We're in a studio in America. Here. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And Not film in coastline. Cornwall, because as I said, the war has just been declared, so there's no chance of filming on in Monte Carlo or anywhere in France or anywhere in Europe. Yeah. No, thank you.
0: I wonder where the footage is from then. Do you think it's stock?
1: They got. It is. It's an American coast somewhere. They sent a second unit crew out to get some.
0: Nice. Stab Get some beach footage mm. that they
1: just then projected behind the actors when they were doing doing the other things. But, yeah.
0: Very good. Yeah.
1: Oh, which also means that when we get the shot of Maxim, the reason we see Maxim from the back when we first meet him is because it's not Laurence Olivier. Oh! Um, so there is—they did put somebody on the cliff, huh. and then then we see the shot of him being like the reverse shot, and then yeah. it's him again, matted against the. I think I think it's back projection again against the looking down on the waves, and that is Laurence. Very clever. Because he's not really there. And that, hmm. But yeah, but for a picture of this, it doesn't... This is, this beach scene is the only one where you go like, oh, it's it's odd that they didn't go on location for yeah. this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Hmm. But it's the first time I noticed, so that shows how good the, the back projection No, I mean,
1: Hitchcock knew what he was doing, but yeah, yeah. But yeah they, they could have... It, it would have been well within the capabilities, you know, and it would be normal, but for whatever reason, they did not.
0: Dog runs away. Yep. To a terrifying shed with a terrifying man in it who just. I think it's just a man with learning difficulties, but they managed to make him like something out of Freaks by Todd Browning. Yeah. Like, why would you go in there? Why would you go in there? You're like, can I just have a bit of rope? Uh, I'll just come into your weird little shack. Yeah, oh, well, it's, it's
1: a haunted house, isn't it? It's a different type of haunted house. He's just come from a haunted house.
0: Yeah, to a haunted changing shed. Yeah. Maxim has fully dealt with his grief then. <laughs> when he when she comes back up he's like, Oh I told you never to go there. I, he, he really annoys me. Like, well
1: no, I meaning there's the thing, he hasn't dealt with his grief and guilt, right? Because yes, of what we of find course. out what we find out later. And then but. I put
0: their love is so unlikable. <laughs> <laughs> this film should be called Red Flag Parade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what did Rebecca's death save on embroidery costs? <laughs> for well, example, Mrs. but then Danvers I found did, out it was Mrs. Danvers. Did, yes. did them
1: herself. Yeah. Well, yeah. she said she did the one that she keeps her negligee in herself.
0: Oh dear. But they're all in that style. style yeah. I'd and so it, it shouldn't be. In... It's
1: in Rebecca's handwriting because we do see a bit of her oh, writing, no. and I think oh. she signs her name with that.
0: Oh, and Mrs. Danvers has copied it copied for the it. embroidery. All yeah. oh, right. mean obsessed much.
1: <laughs> yes. I know. Absolutely.
0: Yes, I know. Found two months after death at sea. Oh yes, so we get a lot of exposition here just in a small burst and we find out that it was after two months a body was found.
1: She went out sailing. Who? Rebecca.
0: Yes, Rebecca went out sailing.
1: And yeah, didn't come back.
0: And then two months later a body was found. Mm -hmm. And our friend, Mr No Friends, was the one to identify the body. Yep. And then I put, yikes. And then I put another female lead that can't follow basic instructions.
1: What was that in reference to?
0: She was told not to wear black satin and pearl. He's told her not to do that earlier because he wants to keep her 16. I don't know, because he's a weird man.
1: Well, the the, the, the fatal tragedy of their marriage. Well, if, there's, if there are many, but one of <laughs> them is that the second Mrs. De Winter desperately wants to be more like Rebecca, mm. and Maxim very much doesn't want that at all.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the synopsis. I do feel for Mrs. De Winter, poor thing. She's oh, there, there we go. She's a, and then ooh, stop calling her a little idiot, and then telling her not to grow up. <laughs> like, talk about mixed messages. Yeah, you're a little moron, but don't you dare age. Like, I mean, kill me intensely beautiful lighting throughout here
1: isn't it isn't it great yeah it's
0: really lovely i think they might be going through memories aren't they they got their look they're watching the the
1: the, the film from the honeymoon comes back yes we don't see that well apart from here we don't get to see the honeymoon they get married and then the next we know they're coming home Mm -hmm. but they had a honeymoon and we get to watch the eight millimeter footage yes
0: and they look i mean he doesn't look Happy, but she looks very happy throughout yeah. all of the footage, and it's very cute, and it's quite nicely taken. And I think it's a really good trope, actually, to have us look at the memories with them rather than have to live the honeymoon with them.
1: Yeah,
0: Baz Luhrmann style exposition, as well. Just
1: yeah.
0: saying. <laughs> I said there's some really freaky conditioning happening, right? But both with with their dynamic, it's it's him constantly trying to train her in some way and then because both of her parents are dead she has huge abandonment issues so it all makes sense that she would be like what can i do to have you never leave me ever
1: yeah yeah because he suggests after they've watched a bit of honeymoon footage that he made a mistake mm. in bringing her here but the unspoken thing is that he made a mistake in marrying her right? Yes, and of course this and she
0: what does she she offers to be his companion
1: yeah she pleads with him mm. says i don't, i don't ask you to love me that's too much but but yes, I'll be your companion, which which is all she knows, of course, in a lot of ways.
0: Yeah. After this scene, when she comes out into light again, they have deliberately put her in a big chair so she looks tiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's very clear. No one goes to the West Wing. And then I had a very strange mismemory memory of the Beauty and the Beast staircase scene, but it wasn't the case. I thought it was a shot for shot. And it's very similar, but it's really not that... Um, so just putting that out there. Oh,
1: yes, because should not you look out of the window and see Mrs. Danvers at, yes. at the window of the, of west, of the wing. west Wing, of, which she's already been told is the most beautiful room in the house. She says, yeah. you, you're here. I hope you like what we've done with it. We've decorated it because nobody really used this room before. Yeah. But the other Mrs. De Winter had the most beautiful room in the house, wonderful view of the sea. It's really lovely. The
0: only room that looks over the sea yeah. as
1: well. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so she decides to go and look at it.
0: God, have I just missed out? Oh, well, before that, though. Yes, there we go. So before that, Mr. Favel
1: Yeah, my favourite character. Oh,
0: really? Oh, excellent. He's an awful stain, I've put. Um, (laughs) Very, very queer-coded, but also sleazy somehow. Yeah. I highly doubt he is actually the favourite cousin.
1: Well, him and Mrs. Danvers, I've called the queer-coded power couple of doom.
0: (laughs) Team Rocket, then.
1: Because they really are... uh, (laughs) I don't get the reference i'm sorry
0: oh no blasting off at the speed of light jesse and james yeah it's a queer coded power couple go on
1: because it's it's very conspiratorial that uh, him and mrs danvers whom he calls danny are uh, sort of sneaking around the place a little bit Mm. but there's something of the sneak in him and in mrs de winter i suppose because he mr favel Who spots Mrs. De Winter hiding behind a door and earwigging on them. Yes. Because...
0: Well, they say, don't tell Mrs. De Winter that you're here. Yeah. Um, You know.
1: Yeah. But he is a sneak.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's an excellent sneak. Yeah. And he pops up at the window and then actually, in in fact, walks through the window (laughs) to invade the house like a spectre again. Yes. Because everything enters through the window. Yeah, and he's a
1: ghost from the past.
0: Yes. And... He's doing the old uh, Willem Dafoe in Wild at Heart.
1: Right. (laughs) I was going through the Willem Dafoe. Yeah,
0: Willem Dafoe in Wild at Heart with um, Laura Dern's character just being too much in the body space, too sleazy, too familiar. Supposedly kind, but definitely pushing some buttons.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah, very much in control as well. Yes. But um, defers to, to Mrs. Danvers, which is nice. Because she, yeah, of course. Um, because Mrs. De Winter stammers out an invitation to tea, which uh, Danny shakes her head at behind Mrs. De Winter. Mm. Then, he def- then he declines. And it's only at the end of his little scene that he introduces himself as Rebecca's favourite cousin. Yes. Citation needed. Although I <clears throat> I think he could well be. But even also... I can see very easily...
0: Yeah, I don't think he is. ...that
1: he might not be actually related to her.
0: I think it's because he asks Mrs. De Winter not to tell Mr. De Winter that he's been there. Yeah. And I think in telling her he's the favourite cousin, it's a way that even if she does tell him, it'll be like, oh, her her cousin was here. Yeah. Oh, yes. See, this is why I thought they'd banged. Who? Danny and Rebecca.
1: Oh, yeah. Is it this scene in... Rebecca's bedroom.
0: Yes, so Mr. Favel lets himself out via the window again. <laughs> yeah. And then
1: he's wonderful. It's uh, George Sanders, a wonderfully yes. camp character actor, Just absolutely relishing every minute.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Like he's got a boiled <laughs> sweet in his mouth the whole time, and, and he's using it to do pausing. He leaves via window and in a sort of flustered state. Mrs. De Winter heads up to the West Wing Mm -hmm. to do some serious tentative touching of items. And, of course, Danny's there, Mrs. Danvers, waiting. Just waiting for her. Being like, I've been waiting to show you this for ages. Why haven't you asked to come in?
1: Yeah, she's mistress of the house. She can go wherever she wants. Which is why
0: I then put, Danvers is such a horrifying gaslighter. Like, (laughs) Danvers is in charge of the household it's her decision to not put mrs de winter in the mrs de winter suite
1: well yes of mrs de winter has that power she just doesn't know how to use it you know mrs de winter yeah is the mistress of the house and could say i'm having that room and yeah fact, but
0: they know that she doesn't have any experience so yeah. they're not, going to, so they're not like, going
1: to tell her that but yeah. but this is what maxim means when he says you're behaving like an upstairs Palomide. Yeah. Every time he doesn't understand. He doesn't understand why she's why his wife is frightened of the housekeeper, because it hasn't occurred to him that he's born to this. Mm. It hasn't occurred to him that she hasn't sort of fully grasped that she's in charge.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: She can't boss Frank around, but like the house, the household servants are her domain.
0: Yeah. So let's do a tour of Rebecca's skin yeah dead rebecca's skin mrs danvers takes rebecca through the wardrobe of the late mrs de winter mm-hmm. lots of underwear shots
1: yeah yeah i keep i keep her underwear not she kept her underwear here
0: oh dear it's
1: i keep i keep present tense yeah her underwear here now of course as her maid effectively yeah. mrs danvers would be in charge of the wardrobe so that kind of makes sense yeah. but it's the present tense and the fact that the room is just so. She says, oh, you've moved the brush, right? And adjusts Oof, it in a yeah. couple of millimetres. This is an active monitored room for a woman who's been dead for a year. Yeah, she's yeah.
0: obsessive. It's it, it's very clear. But I also believe, again, that we're building up to the idea that anyone could have killed her at this point. Right. Because we're trying to make everything sinister. Um, oh, it's
1: sinister, all right
0: it's just the way she touches the lace is very oddly perverse and then saying look you can see my hand
1: and that's her night that's her negligee it's her same. negligee yeah, it's, it's nightdress.
0: rebecca's nightdress and i didn't know if that was a dirty reference
1: <laughs> well i think it is it's certainly sexually suggestive because you can see her hand through it you can also see rebecca's body through it
0: oh that's a good point no i was going more for the digits
1: the digits of a hand ah
0: being a being a reference but I also wondered about puppetry and making the dead oh. dance right sure you can see my yeah, hand you
1: animate the, yeah animate yeah exactly and, and you can see a hand in, in like like Rebecca's hand and moving all of the pieces
0: exactly you know. that but yes. also
1: it's the finery as well right it's yeah that wonderful scene where they get the chinchilla fur coat out and
0: yes about that
1: stroke the face
0: no one wears it no no one wears it at any point do you know how much that coat was valued at
1: no, I don't think it was. It money, was it?
0: loaned by Jekylls of New York right. just to appear in the closet. $25,000 in 1940. That's a lot
1: of money, isn't to it? To
0: not be worn by anyone. No. I suppose out of fear of someone sweating. Well, yeah,
1: but, but uh, you know, but yes, it's it's one of Rebecca's clothes. You're right, though,
0: yes. It's a fairy sleeve being rubbed on a woman's face.
1: Yeah. There was a, uh, this is great, and again from the BFI book, there's a, a Vogue advert here for The Rebecca Luxury Wardrobe
0: mm.
1: There was there were brand Tie-ins nice. with a dead woman Whose clothes are never seen worn But like it's the aspirational thing of like you know Dress, dress like Dress like oh. the first Mrs. De Winter
0: <gasps> Wow, Wonderful. that is beautiful We have it? to yeah. take pictures of that for the gram
1: We will, we will. This is about The fourth time I've mentioned The Catherine Spooner book, Dressing Gothic Bodies Oh yes uh, Has a, a small section on this which points out to which I am indebted that the novel talks a lot about Rebecca's perfume that is hanging around this room Mm. you know constantly Mm -hmm. and and hanging around the house and all of the belongings and things and obviously that's not an olfactory thing that you can do on cinema but Mm. we do get the sense of something of Rebecca's Smell something of her perfume. Do you know? Is there, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's very odd. I I have a habit of being in in my love life past. I've had a habit of being the current Mrs. De Winter, <laughs> where there is the ghost of an ex ah. lurking around every corner. And I moved in with a partner once, and her mascara was still on the mirror, where she had been a glasses wearer and had to be very close to the mirror to do it. Wow. And so had nicked it with the brush. Yeah. And as I was sort of cleaning and clearing something and I realised and it just stopped me dead in my track. There was something about it, it's such an intimate thing. Yeah. And finding discarded earrings and things that are just like things that are just part of human life. A different person putting my glasses on the nightstand and they hadn't removed her glasses. Maybe people have a type. But but you know, they her one of her pairs of reading glasses was still on the nightstand yeah. and they had to kind of quickly whip it yeah. away. That kinda of, just these strange little moments. And if it's not, you know, the ghost of the actual feelings, it's the objects and the items. So that, yeah. that idea of perfume. I did walk into a room in the same mascara house that just smelt like lush and I, I didn't use lush products at the time and I was like, yeah. Oh, that's so
1: yeah, it's a, it's a ghost. It's it a, is a ghost. It's a ghost. It was that a house full of
0: ghosts. A four-bedroom house in Cornwall full of ghosts. I should have read it then.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a wonderful book. I mean, it's a wonderful film. Mm. Almost take that as a given for films that we cover, but not not, not, always. not always. No, no, but, not,
0: not when you see what we're doing next week.
1: <laughs> um, fair point, well made. <laughs> uh, but it is also it's a, it is also a wonderful book. Uh, never been out of print in all of those years, and yeah, I recommend it. But yeah, there's more to say about this scene. Oh. Obviously, the censors at the time were aware of the possibility of implications that were less than savory for 1940 America, at, at the, you know mm-hmm. at, at the time, and so they were very keen that the filmmakers removed any suggestion of impropriety between Mrs. Denver's and the first Mrs. De Winter. Mm. And yet somehow they still allowed this film to be released with this scene in it as we see it today, which is extraordinary. I mean, I'm delighted. It's a powerful and yes, wonderful scene. Yes. But it is very sexual, very intimate and very suggestive, I think. Yes. Fair.
0: So... A couple more things about just this one. So mm. listen to the sea that killed the last one of you. You know, mm. like there's an incredible scene of a silhouette where she, where Mrs. Danvers is silhouetted against the, the window again mm. and listening to the sea and the sea is like raging outside the window. Such soothing murder waves. (laughs) But then we get a bit of a kick-ass moment from Mrs. De Winter saying, I am Mrs. De Winter now, in a deeper voice than her own, which is amazing because she's obviously lost her temper and she's hurt. But it makes Mrs. Danvers look like a haunted Renaissance painting. Like she really (laughs) does just look like the eyes follow you around the room.
1: Sure. But something about this scene in Rebecca's bedroom and where Mrs. Danvers is Miming combing Rebecca's hair while Rebecca's replacement effectively sits in the chair. That's horrible. That something must have just snapped something in her, you know, because it's follow. It's immediately following this scene that she says, "Get rid of all of these letters."
0: Yes, but I'm going to take it to a different place here briefly, and say that she makes the mistake of face to facing with the narcissistic mother. And right. when you do that, they find a way to get revenge.
1: Oh, when she does that.
0: She does. But that's exactly what happens. The The expression, when I say about that haunted Renaissance painting, it's the look of a Scorpio scorned. You know, it's it's the look of a, oh, I see how we're going to play this. And because Mrs Danvers, again, in that narcissistic way, truly believes that she is the only victim of all these terrible things, you know, as in, I lost the the woman I loved. The sea claimed her, you know, yeah. and who are you coming in here upsetting things? And then add to that, that she's like, well, I'm Mrs. De Winter now and she's trying to fight back. You're, you're going to get it double. Anyway, we get an Alice in Wonderland reference. So for some reason, this scene that has just happened with Mrs Danvers sparks some creativity in Mrs De Winter mm-hmm. she wants to put on a big party yep. she begs and pleads her horrible husband to allow her to put a party on he's like who do you think you are Alice in Wonderland with that bow you know yeah and, yeah, she's been put into an alternate reality and there's paedophilic undertones. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got it.
1: Well, it's it's odd because it is like she's attempting to... In, on one level, she's attempting to stamp her own authority on the role of Mrs. de Winter, right? Yes. Seems to be a conscious attempt to sort of break away from some of the Rebecca fetishism that's going yes. on in the house. But on the other hand, she says to Maxim, I want people to, th- to feel that things at Mandalay are just the same as they always were. Oof. So that... That's the tension, right? Which is mm. there right from the right from the opening narration, where she says, um, "Sometimes I dreamt I was, yeah, I dreamt I was back at Mandalay again, but, but I can never go back there. Mm. But I was, but I did, in my dream. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, never, get, never can, but I have, mm-hmm. and I am, and uh, I, yeah, I want to be. I am Mrs. De Winter now. It's going to be different, but it's also going to be exactly the same as it was. And that's a tension that doesn't, that, that can't be resolved. Other okay. Except through violence.
0: Yeah, fair enough. I quite like that. She has been manically drawing, and I really quite like her drawings. Actually, her costume designs mm. are very beautiful. I wondered who did those. I hadn't looked that up. I but didn't. I, I wasn't
1: able to find out. I didn't see anybody. I don't think it's actually it.
0: referenced. It's probably just art department. But yeah, I mean, are, some it could be inter... the costume
1: designer, whoever they. Whoever yes, they that's were. true.
0: And then Mrs. Danvers is like, "Hey, did you mean to drop these?" terrible drawings that i really like you know <laughs> well, it's a you... nice
1: callback i see one of the things we know better is that she likes to, to sketch
0: yeah she yeah. yeah and her dad's an artist so yeah, yeah it's the connection again between father and daughter mm-hmm. but she mrs danvers takes her on a tour of the paintings in the house to see if she picks can pick a costume that would suit mm-hmm. and takes her to this one horrendous painting of a woman (laughs) who is like the 16th great cousin of...
1: The present Mr. De Winter.
0: Yes, exactly. And she falls in love with it and obviously she's told that that's Mr. De Winter's favourite painting. Mm -hmm. And immediately has it cloned by, you know, has it what's it called?
1: Copied, I guess.
0: Yes, has it copied by seamstresses. Has
1: the dress copied, yeah.
0: Yes. Yeah, ready to wear it.
1: Yeah, because she has an army of staff and a big pot of money if she wants to yeah. do any of this stuff she can
0: and i put oh no not that dress <laughs> she looks so happy and beautiful and when she's like being dressed by the maid well this
1: is the you were
0: very touched
1: yes there was touched and this is the t- sort of terrible tragic irony of this is that it's not a bad idea
0: no it's lovely
1: and yes, yeah, she looks lovely but yes of course she has been set up for a fall
0: his face falling Is nowhere near as good as her face falling. His face falling is like he's clearly about to tear her a new one when he sees the costume and looks like he's gonna throw up.
1: Yeah well because it's a shock at
0: first. Yeah we know why he's gonna throw up but she doesn't.
1: The thing is, well they also because she comes you know she makes her entrance at the top of the stairs Mm -hmm. and nobody turns and then we follow her down the stairs a little bit and nobody's looking at her and she's beaming because She's, she's done a really good job.
0: She's done the she's all that transformation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But, but that she has to call for their attention and then, obviously. She shouldn't have. No.
0: And I think it's, oh, no, is bit what Beatrice says. Yeah. Or just somebody somebody says, just like her. Yes. She looks just like just her.
1: Just like her. And then somebody does say the name.
0: Yes. Yes. I forget
1: who. But yeah, because Beatrice was here earlier and goes up to help. And of course, if, if she would let Beatrice in,
0: she would have been like, "Oh no, oh, don't, no don't do that!" Yeah,
1: exactly. But but she doesn't. It's the,
0: that she wants to surprise everyone with her trans- outfit. It's
1: the tragedy, and she certainly does that.
0: Yes, and uh, because we mainly focus on her face, we see her actual soul leave her body and be crushed. Yeah. So Mrs. De Winter gets to get angry and get even. She asked, and then didn't want to know the answer. What did she ask?
1: Why did you do it? Why did you? what well, you knew that that, that was what yes. Rebecca wore at the at the last ball, but you still suggested it to me, and told me, you know, yeah. told me to do it. Why?
0: And Why then did didn't want to well know the answer because as soon as Missus Danvers started asking, she was like, "No, no, I don't want to hear anymore." Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I take it back. <laughs> it's so sinister. This that she's too strong for you. The sea destroyed her. Like she's she's too strong for you, you think you can be Mrs. De Winter. Yeah. She's too strong for you. The sea was the only thing that could take yeah, her.
1: Yeah, no man or woman could yes. could break her.
0: And then she's like, kill yourself. But then I put that, and then she started actually trying to convince and whisper into Mrs. De Winter's ear, Mrs. Danvers did, like, yeah. it, it's so easy.
1: And it's a wonderful two shot of the two of them at the window with um, Mrs. De Winter looking out of the, in white because yeah. she's still dressed in the, yeah. in the dress and this black clad figure shadow, yeah. leaning over her and just dripping poison into her ears. Yeah. Saying, yes, look down there. It's easy, isn't it? Why why don't you? Ooh, why don't you? Christ. Yeah, and, and it looks like she's very close to succeeding with this. You know, you, mm. you know the way the camera goes is vertiginous look down at the at the rocks
0: they also look related in that scene they look very uh, very similar so i am getting the shadow bit again yeah um
1: yeah a very bad angel on the shoulder as well yeah.
0: and then the thing that stops the horror is a shipwreck
1: yes and of course well yes so the 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 alarm the
0: mm-hmm. ding 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 the
1: firework goes up you mm-hmm. know the flare uh, but of course it is a shipwreck but it is also the return of
0: Rebecca. Rebecca,
1: right? Yes. So Christ's when they were coming. dragging
0: up the remains of the boat that had that had wrecked, they also dragged up Rebecca's sailboat. Yes. Incredibly gripping fog work on the beach, isn't it? Heels yes. on the beach, so by the way. So much of the
1: fog because we were in high Gothic territory. Yes, mm-hmm. yes.
0: But high heels is impressive in that she's walking absolutely fine. Yes. <laughs> The lights from the house are like floodlights It really works, they're kind of mm. beaming out of the fog But her looking disoriented on a beach Covered in fog in the dark is Yeah, just well
1: we're into uncharted
0: Nightmare fuel Yeah, yeah. The thing I've dreaded day after day Rebecca has won Maxim That's Maxim's quote So We have a confession here, is this in the hut?
1: Yeah, this is in Rebecca's yes. little Love
0: hut Mm. There was a body. There was a body with her.
1: The, with the boat, yeah. When they brought oh, up sorry, the boat. They is brought up her. Rebecca's boat, right? Yes, and there and, was a body and, in there. And but yes, but that's not all lying on the yes. floor.
0: Mr. De Winter confesses to Mrs. De Winter in the cabin that the body that he identified as Rebecca wasn't her at all. Yeah. And I've put. Can you can you run? Can you like run because you're <laughs> alone in the murder cabin with. Mr. A crazy Mister De Winter who's like because I freaking killed her. Um, well,
1: that's that's an interesting th- that's an interesting question.
0: Ooh, <laughs> he's such a poop. It was all in her head, I guess. You thought I loved her? Nah, I hated her clearly. Anyway.
1: Well, yes. I mean, the thing is, all, all of his reactions. To uh, that we've seen, to things that remind him of Rebecca, mm. we have assumed she has assumed, uh, because he can't bear to think about. Yeah. The, where, but it also, they also make sense if you consider that he is racked with the guilt and just waiting for this to, to happen. He doesn't want to think about it. He doesn't mm. want to look at it. He can't go near any of it because because uh, yes, he's he's admitted because well, he admits to having put her body in the boat. After she died and sunk it, and it basically can't remember what happened, and then he realised that she was dead. So in the novel, Mm -hmm. he unambiguously shoots her dead. Yeah, um, and then you know proceeds as as in the film here. Yeah, but can't do
0: that with a haze coat. No, exactly, because Mm.
1: he is that would make him a murderer. And and but and you can have murderers in films, but what you can't have is a murderer that gets away with it. So you can't be. He can't get off scot free. No. Under Haze code laws. Which is why we have this weird fudge that he doesn't know what happened and then the next thing she was dead. I must have struck her. Yeah. And that makes him not a murderer.
0: <laughs> well no, she does hit her head. He says he hit she hits his, her head. Yeah. But he realizes that after the fact he's lost his temper and smacked up. Yeah. So Maxim was enchanted by Rebecca, but she was incapable of love, and I put in brackets, bet she was gay! <laughs> um, things I'll never tell a living soul, and then it's like, well yeah, really, really run, because obviously he's telling you, and seeing you as not a living soul is a bit troubling Oh, well, he's
1: not telling her?
0: No, I suppose It's it's about the things that Rebecca confessed to on the fourth day that they'd been married, yeah. at that exact place that Mrs. De Winter saw him trying to kill himself mm-hmm. That was where Rebecca laughed with her dark hair and.
1: God, she sounds incredible. <laughs> said all this, st-
0: <laughs> talking of ghosts.
1: Yeah, I mean, Rebecca was queer. Is how I've uh, I've, I've said Rebecca was. She queer. She is
0: queer. Yes, yeah, Una- unabashedly as well. Yeah. Like you know, and I did put. It's literally a film about poor communication as well.
1: Yeah, you should have had this conversation earlier. <laughs>
0: it's a, you know, and Cousin F- Flavel, it's, it's a very um, bisexual pair, I would yes, say. Yes, absolutely. And then in quotes I put, she looked ill, comma, queer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> but um, she, yes. it's implied that she was pregnant and heavily smoking. <laughs> um, I love that we never see her. It's particularly important here that we never have a flash of what she looks like because... Yeah it's all in the description and i put that the monologue is award worthy like this is laurence olivier doing actual acting and getting allowed some sort of rain with it free rain with it you know yeah
1: no it's great and i love i love here when he's narrating what happened how the camera pans around as if rebecca were there yes following this yeah ghost following the, the atoms of the air where she was yeah and it, and it, yeah again it must have been must have been tempting It must have been tempted to cast someone you know to yeah. do it but
0: and when he's talking about it he says the other woman the other woman buried in the crypt which is just mrs de winter
1: it's yeah. she is well, the other
0: woman buried in the crypt of the house the house being a complete mausoleum to rebecca exactly Yeah. and they've buried mrs de winter in it yeah that phone ringing is incredible. There's this amazing framing of everybody under the light in the next mm-hmm. shot. So the, the phone call is basically them saying, hey, lol, sorry, but this is definitely your wife. We're going to need you to answer some questions. Also, I think you misidentified that body. Yeah. All. But they're completely under the impression it's an innocent mistake from a man who was in shock. There's gorgeous framing of, I think it's like the, the police and the post-mortem people under one light.
1: Yes, and presumably that's the body on the table behind is, them that we yeah, cannot see. yeah, we don't see, see it. Yeah.
0: I like that Mrs. DeWinter's all confident in everything now, you know?
1: Yeah, well, because she's had the...
0: She's, she's had been, the confirmation that he loved her... That he
1: didn't love R- Rebecca.
0: Yes, exactly. And that was enough. Yeah. And, of course, because he's an absolute dirtbag, his response to that is, that bit of you that I really loved is actually dead because of that murder I told you about, and now you're old and gross.
1: Well, I've you aged are. you twenty five years yeah. in about three seconds. Yeah.
0: You know?
1: <laughs> yeah, but she does change. She does yes. noticeably change in yeah. here. And it's because she's no longer she no longer feels in competition with A ghost. A ghost. Yeah.
0: The London policeman is a great stereotype. I do love that. He's proper alo, <laughs> allo, alo, aloing, yeah. isn't he? But I was concerned they were gonna try and pin it on poor disabled Ben, but then it turned out he was just a strange, unnecessary character. I wondered if his character was bigger in the book
1: could be but it does it does feel quite hitchcock always had this tendency to put in sort of slightly comic grotesques in things Oh, that's sad he likes to play with mood a bit so that after something big and dramatic you'll have a bit of a comedy turn
0: i don't know if that's a comedy turn like ben looks genuinely frightened like the comedy turn is beatrice and giles yeah but i don't know about this i wondered if this was the terrible thing of like be afraid it was probably him and yeah. then changing it at the last minute, right. or
1: like, You know yeah. No, he's certainly a sinister figure, at least when we first meet. Him. Yeah,
0: true. More lovely windows, more beautiful close-ups, and then um, <laughs> Mr. De Winter is in court, and he's already sort of done a bit of warning to be like, "Oh, I hope I don't lose my temper, because you a know what I'm like." Temper, yeah. yeah. And Mrs. De Winter's like, "I'll stay with you forever because I love you and all that." she's in court and she faints yeah. right when he loses his temper yeah
1: which and i is really very love handy for him it
0: is and i really love the like you're probably so hungry that you fainted it's probably all that not having food but also he had just shouted like you might as well know now
1: you might as well know the truth yeah, yeah. and so she faints faints
0: the trope of eating someone else's food is a good one. so here we have flavor um eating, disgustingly eating everybody else's picnic in yeah. the back of the car which is so goals. I feel like at some point I'm going to have to be in a situation where like I aggressively eat somebody else's picnic loudly <laughs> to make a point. But anyway, he suggests some blackmail. He's just yes. he's found a letter from what he expected to be the pregnant Rebecca and he tries the most flamboyant Blackmail ever. Yes. Actually. Well,
1: I mean, I, I'm sure I don't know what you mean. All mm. he wanted to do was discuss how much money he would require to live comfortably without working for the rest of his natural. Yeah. And you know, that's not suggestive at all, officer.
0: Everybody's very casual about suicide, by the way. Well So they go to this pub. I
1: suppose well the thing is because once the boat builder has has introduced his evidence. Yes. Which is that you know, the seacocks were all open and it looks like somebody bashed a hole in the floor. Yes. Like, obviously, this is not a normal boating accident. Yeah. So
0: So it's either suicide, so it suicide or it was somebody or, else. Yep. Or
1: it was someone else, but also not just somebody else. It was clearly, it was Maxim. Yes. Right, who is Maxim de Winter. Mm. And, you know, he's a pillar of the local community, and these are, like, the Justice of the Peace, the local magistrate and stuff. So they are casual about suicide to an extent, but only because the alternative is that one of their own has done the blackest deed. Right? Yes. Nobody likes to consider that it was murder and of course Cousin Favelle is quite gleefully throwing this around later and everybody is Allowed. very upset by it. Yeah. But they're upset not at the idea that Maxim might have done a murder or that is upsetting. They're upset at, at this oik for bringing it up.
0: <laughs> I love this oik. They go to a pub that has a back room that you can just sort of get and there's no one in it. I was quite intrigued yeah. by that. The barman's like, Yeah, do you want a drink? <laughs> like, I'm going to do some waiting on, even though I've got a busy bar out there and nobody's in this room. Yeah. It makes me think that it was a standard practice thing to have a room you could suddenly have a meeting in in a pub.
1: Yes, and it may well have been. Yeah, I don't know. I don't I really know come either. across it here. But...
0: The Flavel is holding the back of, like, he's holding one of the novels on the back of the chair. At penis height and in both hands, and it looks absolutely filthy. Did you
1: notice? <laughs> no, I didn't notice. Like,
0: properly, he's humping it. It's That's great. a nice bit,
1: of, nice bit of business from um, George there. Mm-hmm. Actors love that, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Mrs. Danvers doing her, love was a game to her, talking about Rebecca. Rebecca. yeah,
1: and there's such admiration She would laugh at tone. it. Yeah.
0: She had everybody fooled, and she yes. would laugh at it. Uh, it was, yeah, only a game. Eventually, it's the whole Austin Powers, I can't stand to be asked a question three times thing. The <laughs> Yes,
1: because... It's
0: in Shepherds Bush, the, baker, the, the doctor. The baker, the,
1: yes. Doct- well, his name's doctor Dr Baker. baker. Yeah.
0: But she's like, no, 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 I don't know what you're talking about. She never saw a doctor. No, no, no. And then like, oh, here's his exact address.
1: Yes, well, of course she knows, but it's when Flavell sort of leans in and spells out the implications of his little plan.
0: Yes. Yes. Oh, yes, the doctor's shadows on the wall when they get to dr Baker's place,
1: yeah, lovely little cameo from uh, Leo G. Carroll. This is dr oh, Baker right. who's a one of those noted American character actors who's in a lot of things.
0: Well, he's really very good in it actually, yeah. like it's very convincingly doctory, but he's like, "Oh, I've been seeing her for years. She went under the name Mrs. Danvers, yeah which is very interesting, but he's been seeing her for years. It's
1: suggestive, isn't it? Because yeah. one assumes that Mrs. Danvers came with, oh, pun not intended, came with <laughs> the, the first Mrs. De Winter to, to the house. You know, that ah, she, that yes, he was, yes, yes. That Danny was Rebecca's servant way back. Mm-hmm. But what their history is, who knows? <laughs> As I say, I've assumed that they were never sexually intimate together, but perhaps, yeah, perhaps, it's... It's certainly... That is another thing in that
0: column, yes. We find out that, oh, no, no, she thought she was pregnant too because she felt wrong. Mm -hmm. And I was handing her photographs of her insides and it turns out she has a very nasty, very deeply rooted tumour and uh, it was cancer. Yeah. Which is quite a shocking revelation in a film of this Mm -hmm. time as well, by the way. But apparently she said, you know, give it to me straight. Don't, don't be kind. Yeah. And when she found out, she basically laughed, and then, instead of, actually, committing suicide, she incited murder.
1: Yeah, suicide by enraged husband. Yes. Yeah, which has the, sort of double, benefit for her, if you like, in that it gives her a, nice quick death instead of the, drawn out painful withering of, of. Beauty. cancer. yes, but also, um, I
0: uh, sorry to interrupt that. Hmm. But I one bit in the monologue that really stuck in my mind, but I didn't write it down was I didn't I couldn't understand why she was still smiling. Oh, yes, because she was dead when she, uh, died. she yeah. died. Yeah. Still she died grinning. with the
1: smile, and of course, it didn't fade because she was dead. Yeah, yeah,
0: but that's how much glee she had in dying the way that she. Yeah, chose. well, because
1: cause the, other, the other thing, of course, the second part of that, that I was going to say, mm. was it also puts her husband before the beak on a murder charge.
0: Yes, exactly. That she, for some reason, unnaturally despised. <laughs> she just hated everything about him. He just wanted to be sort of rich and have nice parties. Yeah. And she wanted to be rich and have sex with everything she wanted. Yeah. And pretend she loved them all. Yeah. Or make them all love her. Anyway, goals. <laughs>
1: But yeah, you, we get such a strong idea of Rebecca, yes. even though she's, she's not in a frame. She's also run everywhere, you know.
0: Yeah, there's that really. I put old Jasper because he's there. Oh, he Jasper. must have been there briefly, but uh, so beautiful with like stars around it. Um, there's a really touching scene with Frank, like Frank. Yes, he's very sweet, and it's a tiny little confession to Frank from mr de winter Mm -hmm. who's like yeah i know mate. like
1: (laughs) oh did you remember yes yes
0: and he's like that's not what happened and he's like no no i know oh yeah yeah yeah, i know
1: yes i didn't yes i know everything yes Yes, and what i i mentioned earlier that there was a little bit of mud thrown at him which is in the scene in the back room of the inn Mm. when cousin favel Mm. very much implies that the reason that um Frank is being so nice to the second Mrs. De Winter mm-hmm. is because he feels like he's got much more of a chance there than with Rebecca, who wouldn't go near him.
0: Ooh, brutal. Yeah, but he's right <laughs> on every level.
1: Because I like Frank, you know. Yeah, same. Um, but I uh, would definitely
0: but... rather that Mrs. De Winter was with him than with Mr. De Winter.
1: Yeah, but it's not. It's not. It's not. It's not good behaviour on his part. No, but... is it?
0: Anyway. Oh Lord, she's got a candle and she's going to use it poorly.
1: Uh, yes, because Favel has telephoned Danny back at the house. I mm. love that. I love that he and Rebecca both call her Danny, which is great, you know, nice sort of gender neutral name as yes, well.
0: Yes, true. It's
1: for another thing in the Really nice. In the in the queer column. And telephoned her and says, you know, it's all it was all a bust, she wasn't pregnant after all. Mm-hmm. And now now
0: we're coming uh, back. Uh,
1: yes, exactly. Maxim and his new bride will get to enjoy mentally forever.
0: Yeah. And she's like, Not on my watch, I you don't son think of a so. church. exactly yeah. Insurance will never pay up for that. (laughs) Interesting thing, and we disagreed about this ending, didn't we?
1: Yes, but please lay out your idea.
0: My idea is that we are led to believe that Mrs. De Winter was still in the house. In fact, we are shown, when I say, oh, Lord, she's got a candle, we are shown Mrs. De Winter and Jasper being crept up upon by a candle-wielding Mrs. Danvers. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it flashes and it changes scene to a very worried Mr. De Winter speeding back, trying to get back to um, Mandalay yeah. and saying, "It's what time is it? And he's like, oh, it's 3 a.m. And he's like, oh, it's too early for dawn. That's not the light yeah. of dawn. That's a fire. Yeah. And realising from a distance that his incredible home is on fire and that his wife, his new bride, is probably in it.
1: Yeah. And
0: we're led to believe that she's in it. But then we're shown the the shot of the lead and the dog being led by Mrs. De Winter, who then finds Maxim and says, Mrs. Danvers has gone mad and is wandering about in the flames of the West Wing like a spectre.
1: Mm.
0: Now, my interpretation of that is that Mrs. De Winter has realised that murder really does solve problems. <laughs> and it, to her mind, she's decided that witnessing this or understanding this, this murder, in inverted commas, of Rebecca, means that let's get rid of the final traces. I'm actually just going to set fire to this. And then I don't have to be in this awful, weird haunted house anymore. And I've killed... Danny. You know, right. I've killed this awful woman that's horrible to me and that is the last memory of of Rebecca. And then those final scenes, which are so incredible of Mrs Danvers being swallowed by flames. They're really wonderfully done. Incredible. Falling ceilings. All sorts of things you shouldn't be able to f- film in 1940. But she's so calm. She's not even running around. She's not muttering well, to herself. Well, that's what makes me think
1: that's one of the things that counts against your theory for me, is that it, if it much more fits that intense jealousy of that that Mrs. Danvers has, that she would hmm, destroy if I can't everything, have it, and can, the yeah. fact that she doesn't appear to be, as I say, she's not panicking, she's not running around, she's not trying to save anything from the flames.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: But you know, I'm not saying I'm not saying that your idea is wrong. It's an interesting. Tantalising possibility. It's just not how I read it. But Put it's, it an, this it's an way. extremely strong visual mm. for the end of the film. There, but yes, yes. Sorry, go ahead.
0: Ah, uh, the rest of the film is quite clever and full of symbolism, and we can we've picked it apart for a really long time. It seems too obvious to have that line at the end. When you've had things like. I don't know, you can see my hand through it, and yes, no, you're all right. this it's stuff. Not subtle. and, and then that it's is like a... and that is... oh, Jimmy fell down a well by accident on his own with absolutely no push from me, also, yeah. I have a dog, you know, <laughs>
1: yeah, and it is invented for the film because in the book it is Mr. and Mrs. de Winter who are coming back at night and find that the house is on fire. Ah, um, which the, is better The fate of Mrs. Danvers is unclear in the book, yeah, and it's clearly. Weirdly, although this doesn't make sense, it's clearly Rebecca that has burnt the house down, despite the fact that Rebecca remains dead, right? Her boat is not named in, in the film, but in the book is the Je Reviens, right? I no Return. Right, and, okay. And this is what she does, you know, because when the boat, when, yeah. you know, she literally reappears, but also, like, there is just this, yes, the suggestion that it's Rebecca reclaiming her home. Yeah. Because she's lost it to these two, so it's. It, it burns down which makes beautiful like logical thematic sense yeah. but doesn't work you know it doesn't really work in if you're making a film i guess so they, mm-hmm. they changed it and mrs danvers was the full guy also of course like in so like with so many of hitchcock's queer quoted villains you know they have to die i know <laughs> i know it's so it's, sad uh, yeah yeah um, but it's, it's such a strong Visual it's amazing, and to have finger.
0: the embroidered pillow with the letter R on it actually untouched by flames,
1: yeah, but surrounded by but them.
0: surrounded by them, everything's going up is really fascinating, and if that happened with everything, you would just have like a pile of R's that were yeah. fine and yeah loads of fire,
1: yeah, which is a great a great <laughs> a horrible and great thought,
0: yeah right
1: the one thing that i wanted to talk about that i didn't get to get in so i'm going to squeeze in now Mm -hmm. is the sex life of the de winters all of the de winters Mm -hmm. because it's certainly very heavily implied that maxim's first marriage with rebecca wasn't consummated yes and
0: so you think maxim was a virgin
1: he may well have been he certainly as i say i don't really get pedophile vibes from him because his interest in the second Mrs. DeWinter doesn't appear to be sexual. He just likes spending time with somebody who's like the opposite of that ex that he hated. We don't get to see their honeymoon. They've been on honeymoon, presumably. They had a wedding night, therefore. But, but oh, I, I feel like both of them are mm. extremely sexually inexperienced and... Yeah, oddly, oddly sexless.
0: Yeah, when she dresses in satin and pearls, it looks like a kid that's got in the dressing up box. Yeah, but she's of age.
1: She's a married woman. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I suppose also it all stands in contrast to Rebecca, who was, who even her absence is somehow extremely sexual. Partly because we're shown her underwear. Mm. But but and it's
0: sexy underwear. It
1: is, of course, it is. I mean, it couldn't be anything else. But Maxim, just. I never get the idea he's interested in sex with anyone not that he's not that he's queer as well or anything he just he just he's just not a sexual being for me. Mm. Um yeah, I imagine a rather chaste marriage even though they do talk about children.
0: I think there's a room somewhere where he gets her to flick his nipples with a coin like he's definitely not okay.
1: <laughs> right.
0: Sexually. Beatrice feels really normal but they haven't had children. Beatrice and Giles yeah they're not that kind of family with that kind of tradition behind them almost mm-hmm. in a weird way they're the eccentric rich
1: sure but I feel like part of her role if you'd like as the young wife mm. is to provide an heir he does talk about the reason he didn't divorce Rebecca was because th- he cared more than about the family honor
0: yes absolutely but mm. Well, put it this way: wedding night is often code for "we did a bang," and we've immediately created a child in 40s cinema.
1: Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, because it's state-sanctioned banging, so that once you know, once <laughs> yes. once you're legally and safely married, like it's your duty, it's your obligation to. to you can then do it without it being yes, dirty.
0: But she didn't spend the rest of the film frightened for her unborn child. No, which makes me think they never banged.
1: So yeah, so perhaps yeah, perhaps th- these are both virgins
0: <laughs> yikes <laughs> that makes um, yeah
1: yeah it's just it's just it's an interesting thing that I didn't get to put in earlier yeah
0: fair enough it'd be a weird one to shoehorn in pretty much anywhere wouldn't it yep
1: yep yeah, but I thought of it when they were talking about the, the honeymoon the honeymoon, honeymoon, the for,
0: the honeymoon yeah, yeah. also one thing Mm. She breaks the little Cupid statue. It comes up later while they've been watching the honeymoon footage. Yep. Because people, the staff get him involved, and he's very much like, I don't understand why I'm involved in this. This is your trash. You know? Yeah. And she gets berated like a child for hiding the fact that she broke that thing. But his response to it is, Oh, that's one of our treasures, isn't it? When he finds out that it's missing.
1: Yeah, well, he doesn't know she's broken it. No,
0: I know, but that's one of our treasures, isn't it? Why would that horrible little Cupid statue be a treasure?
1: I don't know. Perhaps it was like fifteenth century or something.
0: Yeah, yeah fair enough. Anyway, <laughs> I think that's us for now. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Yes. Next Time. week.
1: Oh yes.
0: Next week we will be releasing another mini episode. Let us know if you enjoy those hauntedpicturepalace at gmail.com or in the comments or messages on the Instagram haunted underscore picture underscore palace. The theme of the next one is
1: uh, Bridget Jones Diary (laughs) is it? (laughs) I don't know I'm sorry.
0: Rooting for the villain any films that we want to discuss or bring up where we secretly wanted the villain to win all the way through (laughs) for the next actual full length episode we will be looking at The Mummy 1999
1: 98 maybe? Late 90s
0: Yes, Brendan Fraser the mummy everybody, yes. uh, right. John Hannah the mummy, Rachel Weisz the mummy um, I forget who directed it Imhotep the mummy
1: Yes, Imhotep the mummy
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Anak uh, yeah. Yes, uh, it's
1: well,
0: Basically, chaps, it's a film that I used to know absolutely every word to, but this is Ben's pick It's one so. from my
1: youth that I very much enjoyed yes. um, at the time and yes. I haven't seen for some years actually, so I'm looking forward to revisiting that. And I hope it isn't bums.
0: <laughs> Can you tell me, please, what makes it haunted?
1: Well, it's got spooky reincarnation of mm-hmm. ancient princess vibes. It's got, like, a dead guy coming alive. <laughs> yeah. That's, pre- you know, pretty haunted, I think. Fair enough. It's yeah. also haunted by the ghosts of Empire.
0: Yes, true. Don't have nightmares, gang. See you next time.
1: Oh, bye! Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.
0: <laughs> Small content. Or does it?
1: It does not. But Small. does it? It does not.
0: Small content warning in this one. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh when I say that. <laughs> so tempting S- to do Sorry?
1: So tempting to do it again. <laughs> So despite this rather inauspicious meeting, Mm -hmm. it turns out that Maxim de Winter...
0: (laughs) Why why do you remember that Daniel Cleaver is that character's name? That's so specific.
1: (laughs) Why shouldn't I remember that?
0: It's such a strange bit of information. Anyway, go on. Um... (laughs)